Ron and Fez show starts right now. It's the Ron and Fez show live today. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. We're going to have some open phone lines. Jump right into it. Uh, We did put some stuff together for yesterday, but I did have to take a uh, personal day. I spent two weeks and one day yesterday. That's how long yesterday was. But I appreciate it. Uh, all the guys uh, coming through. I know Fev must have just done a kick-ass live show. And uh, thanks to Rob Cross for scrambling things around for me. I really, really do appreciate it. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. You can catch me up on what's been going on in the world. Uh, here's Red Bear. You're on the Ron and Fez show. 
Hey, Ronnie, I hope everything's okay. I got a spy report for you. I appreciate it, and I'm always ready for a... Spy report. Spy report. Yeah. Instagram is nothing but the cutaway scenes from the late 90s TV show Becker. That's it? And Tudoromo whipped Giants ass. Fuck you, Hard Rock Johnny. Uh, Hard Rock Johnny, he had to know that was coming. You know, the weird thing about last night was just how piss poor the opening night of the NFL went off. It blew. That fucking stupid show that they did before didn't have any hype. None of the old big stars showing up. It just missed something. Then the field looked like the fucking grass was dead. I'm like, you think that they would be on top of this? There is a, it's maybe for the drought that's going on in the country. It just looked bad to begin with. The crowd obviously wasn't in it. Neither team was in it for the first half. That first half was fucking horrendous. What the just fuck? Just bad. Just fucking bad football. Uh, I had drafted Romo, so I spent the first half yelling out, uh, you know, Tony Homo for fucking... Uh, and then I'm like, well, I'm going to spend five minutes uh, just watching the beginning of the Clinton speech. And I ended up staying. I'm like, this. I can't believe that this has got more excitement than NFL... But I'm sitting there with my phone in front of me, watching uh, Romo take over the game. Just throwing it Get up. me some fantasy points. Fucking Ogletree. And it, this is the weird thing about life and sports. I'm like, okay, I figured it out. I'm the jinx. I can't watch. Oh, I know that feeling. I can't watch Romo. Let this just happen. Yeah. Uh, I believe I was out of the 3,500 people. One of only 600 who picks the Cowboys last night. Yeah. So I find myself today, for the last day, sitting on top of the leaderboard. Feeling very good about myself. I'm uh, I'm down with the with the rest. I uh, had the Giants. Not not the best idea. Giants, a slow starting team, and for some reason, just uh, fucking miscatch after miscatch, fumbles. Yeah, and Romo just lights them up. It took him to the second half to do it. Well, actually, the last drive of the first half. But he just uh, he just starts to own them for some reason. Uh, David, you're on the Run of show. Hey, what's up, buddies? Yeah. I was calling Pepper for all of your planning and ready to gamble on football season. Day one, and this centaur is out of the league. <laughs> Picked the eliminator the wrong way. No. No. <laughs> Stayed away from that completely. I, I did want to. What's I mean, your eliminator game? All right. It's changed a few times. It's been changed around. The yeah. last uh, couple days ago was the Falcons. Now it's the Ravens. I, I'm fucking selling on the Ravens. They're playing the Bengals. The Ra now, the Ravens fucked me last season. The second week two, they they lost to the Titans. That was my. That's when I went out. The mighty Titans. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Come on! How the hell did that happen last year? So I think they got the Bengals this year. Who do, who's our intern today? No interns today. Oh, is that why I came in with half a cup of water? Yeah. I'm saying water to Philly way too. The ducks are in the water, lady. The ducks are in the water. I think I took the egg straight up, eliminator over Cleveland. I figure they're still hurting over LeBron James. The Browns are fucking terrible. And Trent Richardson's got a bum leg already. And he's a, the entire offense. So I take it you didn't watch any of the big dog speech last night. Didn't catch it. I was No reason you should have. <laughs> uh, there was no reason to turn over to it. And I thought, well, I'll just see what Clinton looks like. I haven't seen him in years. And he came out and was just lighting the place up. Yeah. Just was... 
You know, in my lifetime, there's only been like three presidents who were particularly good public speakers. You had the Obama thing, which, you know, he's very good if you turn it into church. He does that Martin Luther King thing, which he hasn't done in four years, by the way. But when he used to do that bigger than life... At the, at the convention DNC, like, whatever, four years ago or, or eight years ago. But even before that, when it was like, uh, oh, yeah, I know, the first one that he popped, yeah. So, But he's got that church thing down. And then he had Ronald Reagan, who was really great at the one-man, one-camera. He wasn't a great, you know, speech guy, but he would be, like, sitting in his room, and they would just have a camera on him, and he would just be like, look, I, I've got this. He was like the insurance salesman that you end up believing. Like, you're right. I do. You are right. This is a good place. And then Clinton, who does this bit of the old Southern lawyer, and it was like watching Atticus uh, last night. Uh, he came out, and you ever hear, like, people who do things well is because they want to be there. Like, more than anything else, they want to be there. Shines through. He wasn't even getting off the stage. He, they would shoot it up every once in a while, you'd see, like, Obama's wife, like, uh... uh, uh it's going along. Uh, you know, I know Obama's going to come walking out, and it's going to be too late. Um... He was just one of those nights where he was just wrapping it up like we were the jury and the Republicans were some mean DA down in Little Rock and he was just tearing their case apart. I love it. Piece by piece. So from that part of it, from just a, a public speaking uh, part of it, it was fascinating. It was uh, great all the way around. Now... Um, you're not that much into politics, right? I'm not that heavy into it. I'm no reason to be, <laughs> by the way. No reason at all to be. I have apathy. Uh, and he was definitely speaking to the choir. Like, afterwards, like, even Fox News was like, well, he's good. You know, I don't believe in what <laughs> wow, he's saying. Wow, they were giving fucking ups. Well, they were giving him ups for being a politician and the fact that what he was saying uh, was said very well. They disagree. With what he said, but they totally got, you know, oh, this is why that guy's good. Okay. We don't really have anybody today that's as good as him. All right. That's pretty cool. Um, it's like hating on Peyton Manning or Brady, but you know they're the shit. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, some nights you're like, all right, fucking Brady throws like a laser. What are you going to do? <laughs> all right. We'll get him next time. Um, and then, of course, the other guy is MSNBC were... Uh, just um, crushing it. Just having a jack-off party. Yeah, they were just like, yeah! <laughs> He's back! He's talking again for us! They had Romney's old consultant going, it's over. This is done. <laughs> Obama won. I'm like, well, you're going a little too far yeah, now. We're not voting for Clinton. We're voting well, you see, here's the interesting things. It was the ideas that he was laying out there and tearing apart. All right. Uh, he pulled it off. All right, in the eliminator pool... Right now, I'm going to let you know where most people are voting. Okay, cool. 25% of the poll is voting for Detroit Lions to win this. Wow. That's some faith. Who are they playing? They are playing the Rams. That's actually not Yeah, it's that's, actually that's not smart. bad, except for, you know, first game. 
Is it going to be the same Detroit Lions team? I know. Is Calvin Johnson going to be even rusty at all? What's going to happen to Stafford? Because last year was his only fucking healthy year. Uh, 24% picked Houston, Texas. 24.6% Houston Texans. They're playing the Dolphins. And again, the Dolphins, if anyone watched Hard Ducks... It looks like that team has no idea what they're doing. It's a fucking train wreck, dude. It's, it, they have no quarterback. They have no wide receivers. And they have no... Well, Reggie Bush. But even Reggie Bush, is, he's just like the only guy there. So, of course, he's going to get yards. Well, you know why I called you in here. And it's because of this <laughs> and that and the other thing. But uh, I don't want to hear the F-bombs out there, guys. You know, we can stay away from that. What a meek douche. <laughs> like, come on. I can't be mean to him because he lost his kid. But <laughs> oh, yeah. I do feel like... I, he's he de- I can't imagine him firing up a room. He may be really good with the X's and O's. Uh, 14.9% uh, took Chicago Bears. 13% with the Eagles. And then the next, finally, 3% got the Saints. Yeah, they play the Redskins. It's, it's dicey. Who knows if RG3 can fucking keep it together. Apparently, the fucking Redskins offensive line is just horrendous. Well, I'll tell you who believes in RG3. That's everybody in Virginia right now. They just can't get enough of it. I mean, it's it's a fucking great sign of hope. I don't know if Indianapolis is fucking juiced up for Glock, but I guess Indianapolis has had more success than the Redskins in recent years. Um, yeah, and there's also a bigger, hungrier audience in Washington. I mean, they... They're a very strange kind of football fan where, for whatever reason, they expect it. And I grew up in a place where we expect the worst to happen, and it does. You know, like, you could have everything in Philadelphia, and the fans are going to be yelling and fighting and still be like, I don't feel good about this. Get off all apart. So I don't understand that eternal optimism that a Redskins fan has. That's bizarre to me. They just believe. Why? (laughs) There's no reason to. They just believe because they remember before when the Redskins won and they felt good when that happened and they want it to happen again. They just want all the wonderful things to happen. There's no way that's going to happen. Well, for the fucking rookie quarterback. The Bucks' new coach is like begging the fans, please come to the game. We've added Wi-Fi to the stadium. They're looking for anything to try to make this first uh, this home opener a sellout, and the people are just not showing up, not buying the tickets. How come it's not a football um, place, Fez? It apparently isn't a sports place at all because they don't show up for the Rays either. So why did we ever feel the need to move so many teams out there? <coughs> there was never any use for it. Fucking three? How many people live in Florida? And what the fuck? Well, it's a really big state. Don't don't mistake for that. But yeah, every single football. Now, here's the weird thing about it. The college football is phenomenal there. So it's not like they don't have sports fans. But they're certainly not professional sports fans. They have enough college then, right? I mean, there's like three or four universities that are just pretty fucking big. Uh, you could actually make the case that there's five. What? That fucking play, uh, no, if you're going to put the Central in. Um, But Miami, of course. And then there's there's actually even a couple of uh, black colleges that just play phenomenal football, and they're great fun to go to down there. But they they just, they like college better than they like pro. 
Then fucking get rid of two of the teams then. Fez always gives us the Tampa update, though. He, the, the Bucks will never be out of the spotlight as long as Fez Watley gets that opportunity because he'll always go back to him. He picked him to win it all this year. He feels very good about him. What? They're going to win the whole shooting match. They have a rookie fucking running back. Have you picked your new gay bar? Uh, no, I haven't picked the new gay bar yet. There's really only two that show the games. Hell's Kitchen, dude. I told you, I read the article the other day. It's three different floors of fucking gay dudes watching sports. Yeah. I told you to move the Hell's Kitchen. That's the new gay fucking perimeter. There, here, here we go. Look at this. Look at that, dude. He's all fucking cut and buff, he's ready always, to go. He's like dirty. Yeah. And he has only, like... That's shit all over him. <laughs> oh, my God. That shit that they rubbed him down with. Oh, that's terrible. Cold beer, hot men, great food. Come on. Half slices. <laughs> great um, half slices. We got to... I got to also put this out about the fantasy football. No. Uh, our league up and running... The fighting already taking place. You've got your Padawan fucking attacking me on there. Uh, Hard Rock Johnny's taking on all comers. It's become a bloodbath. It's 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 nasty. Well, when I get called a shit dick by my own fucking staff, I'm like, this fucking league has gotten carried away. This league is on their way to something. Now, I don't want to point this out, but my partner's gay. So that could be taken the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Has once. the NFL talked to us at all about our league? Because no. let me tell you this, uh, the NFL, the official Twitter account for the NFL, this morning or last night, was in a full conversation with Holly in Seattle. Holy shit. Now, the NFL has three million followers, three million followers, and they get into a one-on-one -on -one conversation uh, with Holly in Seattle going, um, what, well, they actually said to Holly as she's talking about it, how many fantasy teams do you have Romo on? I only have one team, says Holly. I'm a newbie. And then uh, they say to her, Awesome, Holly. What made you decide to play this season? And Holly responds to them. Ron and Fez on Sirius XM was recruited by Fez for his Renegade League, but then he backed out on us listeners, oh, no. and we started our own at the iBang. I am fucking cracking up. Here I can't even get Watley to respond with the people that we've just had on the show. And <laughs> let alone we couldn't get anything fucking signed that we wanted. And here's Holly in Seattle going one-on-one -on -one with the three million followers. Fucking official. And then explaining to them, Fez backed out. So we started our own. She sounds like an NFL tattletale. I was fucking cracking up. <laughs> Fez, you can't win for losing. This would have been your thing if you would have came back to us and said, look... <laughs> You fuckers didn't let me in your league, and I got the NFL fucking going crazy about the Renegade League. Holy fuck. Instead, the NFL just hears, 
Okay, Fez Watley backing out on fans. He's a jerk. Let's never do any business with Ron and Fez no. at Sirius XM. No, you don't understand. I was fucking dying. <laughs> well, one thing that they want to do is, you know, the NFL, they've got every male. Now they want every female. And then, of course, every foreigner. They... They need it. Do you realize how you could be sitting on top of the pyramid right now, Fez? Laughing at us, looking down at us. Yeah, just fucking being the shit. With the NFL's stamp of approval of your <laughs> renegade league. The official NFL fucking Twitter account. Botched it again. If, and if I told this story going into the nut hut, uh, they, would, they would think I was just extra crazy. Back to nut hut talk already, huh? Still thinking about it? Oh, yeah. Need a little time to get your thoughts out? Uh, no, no, just, uh, just on my mind. But this would be another thing, this would make me, this is an actual true story that would make me sound nuts. Not even out, something out of, like, well, someone's crazy imagination. How would you tell it to them? That, you know, that I mess, I had the chance to have the NFL, uh, be in a conversation about my fantasy league. Okay, he thinks he's discussing things with the... National Football League. We do run into a lot of this this time of the year. <laughs> there was a guy, we got him up on the iBang, that called 911 that reminds me of Fez. And basically, he called uh, 911 because of uh, bad dreams. Oh, boy. I can't imagine being a 911 operator. But take a listen to this. 911, where is the emergency? Hello, can I have Arm City. Yeah. What's going on? Um, something that happened in my dream and it's actually happening. Okay, what's happening? That's it. Everything that happened today is actually in my dream and I want to prove to everybody. Okay, what's your name? Uh, okay, so what did you dream about that's happening? I, it's all on paper. I wrote it down. Okay, we'll get someone out there to you. Huh? I'll get somebody out there to you. I think so much. Okay, bye bye. Nine one, where's your emergency? Okay. Nine one one, where's your emergency? Hello, I called earlier. Um, in Orange City. <laughs> What's your address? Orange City. And what's the emergency? Um, the officer told me not to call back. And he said, if I call back, then y'all are going to take me to court. Uh -huh. So I'm calling back. Cause you wanna I had to, to prove something. Because you want to go to jail? I, I had to prove something to my family. So you're at an officer back. Uh -huh. City? Yep. What's your name? Um, What's your last name? Do you have any weapons on you? Uh, no, I don't, ma'am. And you do not have an emergency? And you're stating that on the tape line? Um, uh, I don't know. Do you have an emergency, yes or no? Uh, no. Okay, and you're saying that the officer told you not to call back, so you did because you're trying to prove a point, correct? Yes, please. Okay. What is the problem there? Because obviously there is one. Um, there's a problem. It's something that happened in a dream, and it's coming true. Everything. So can you just please someone here? send somebody here? Okay. Are you? What, how old are you? I'm 18. Is there an adult there? Uh, no, I'm at, I'm at house, yeah. No, is someone else um, besides you? 
Um, me, my mom, my dad, my brother. Can you put one of them on the phone? Um. <laughs> send somebody, send a cop over. I'm trying to prove something to my parents and my brother. I want to show them that my dreams are real. They're going to look like dicks. I hate this 911 operator. Why? Because every mental health professional that I've gone to has said, if you're feeling really crazy and you feel like something is going on, call either go to the emergency room or call 911. And all they're ready to do, this kid's obviously messed up, all they're ready to do is threaten him with jail and tell him not to call 911 anymore. Well, 911 is for the emergency. It's for, I need an ambulance. I'm fucking losing my shit here somehow. I guess he could say that. I mean, really, tell your parents and let them drive you over. So you really thought that the... What should the 911 person have done for him? Should have sent somebody out there. Not, well, they were. Not told them somebody not to call out there back. To fucking put a taser in his chest. <laughs> put this fucking 18-year-old asshole down. What a fucking dick. He's just a crook and a crazy dick. I'm sure being down there in Florida, she has a backlog. <laughs> Of shootings, stabbings, ODs. It's general rampages. I thought she kept it together. And what were you dreaming, sir? <laughs> it's all written down in my paper. It's all written down. Please send someone. <laughs> Please send someone over to read this. Figure out the mysteries of life. No, there's no adults here. So you here. think he should have got an ambulance? Yeah. Why an ambulance? you know what these people do for a living? Well, they go and help people in distress. They help people from having heart attacks or having their fucking throat slit, yeah. car accidents. Gunshot wounds. Do you honestly want to get an ambulance and all the first responders to fucking drive down the road to this house because the kid had a dream? Come on, man. That's fucking crazy talk. That This is something for you to... Uh, Talk about with your psychiatrist that you think every time somebody has a bad dream, an ambulance should show up. <laughs> he was obviously freaking out. Well, then the other well, side. He's got of, other people to talk to. The other side of it is then then they shouldn't say if uh, if you're feeling nuts. I, uh, call, they I've never say heard call that. Nine one one. I've never heard that before, so I don't know. Well, I don't know what you would talk to nine one one person about. I feel crazy. Help. Help me. We have. Yes. No, we have helplines for that. The fucking emergency means emergency. A panic attack isn't a fucking emergency. You have people that are fucking busloads of kids are going off of bridges. But they're going to be sitting around talking to some guy who feels weird. Doesn't know whether he's got the right girlfriend or what major he should pick in college. It's all written down on that paper of his. <laughs> you love that aspect, don't That's you? fucking really hysterical. I'm sure. He won't read it to the lady either. <laughs> like, it's all written down. There ain't jack shit. <laughs> he probably just wrote, my dreams are coming true. My parents, I'll show you. I always thought when your dreams came true, it was a good thing. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. The only person I ever hear saying it is UCB Fred. <laughs> all my dreams are coming true. <laughs> I'm following my dreams. <laughs> and they're happening. I'm getting to write cartoons for people. <laughs> he wrote to me this morning all excited because uh, 
UCB got another writer on SNL. Wow. Nice. That's all he ever wants to talk about. <laughs> fucking UCB. UCB. All right. Come yeah. on, man. Calm down. Um, hey, Brian, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Hey, Fezzy, uh, where are you getting your information from? 911's an emergency line. Plain and simple. Fire, accident. Uh, you're being threatened by somebody. Other than that, I don't know who the hell told you to call 911. Every uh, therapist I've ever health. gone to. Well, where, where did, who told you to call 911? Listen, every therapist I've ever gone to has said if you feel... Did you say to them, what would 911 do for me? N- no, I, Because that would be the correct response to that. Like, why would I call a, a number that's out there for people that are physically in trouble? Um, let's go over to Mike. Mike, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, uh, I just wanted to know uh, if, uh, well, actually, the uh, the 911 operation, I asked him if he went to jail in his dream. <laughs> it seemed like he wanted to go to jail. Yeah. It, the second call was like, he said I was going to go to get arrested <laughs> if, I, if I called again, so I'm calling again. Is there a number that they're supposed to kick it over to where they go, okay, hold on, and I'll transfer you to somebody who talks to maniacs? Um. I'm going to call 911 when I can't find my fucking keys. You don't understand. To me, this is an emergency. I'm fucking furious. I can't get into my house. Because believe me, when I can't find my keys, I act like a fucking lunatic. Oh, I thought I lost my wallet this morning. I started fucking throwing shit around my apartment. If I can't find my wallet, I'll fucking kill somebody. <laughs> it's fucking a horrifying feeling. It was underneath the chair. So that was, it was a freak out averted. All right, what makes you fucking feel weirder? A, when you can't find your wallet. B, when you see your chick has your wallet open and she's counting cash. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're doing well. Um, maybe there's a number that you kick over, Fez. I don't know. You're not making a point for your side. I'd love to hear about it, but you've never seen the Ask the Shrinks about it. This- you need to get in a little bit. Here's David. David, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. How you doing today? Good. I'm an EMT, and you'd be amazed the amount of calls we get for psychiatric emergencies for the littlest things. But people call us, and we got to take them to the hospital to go talk to someone. To me, that sounds fucking crazy. You're using them as a taxi service. They can't get themselves to the to the emergency room. Call a fucking cab. You're right. You're right. We we could use a lot as taxi, but we come and we if it's like bullshit, we say, hey, look, if you're gonna keep calling back. If you're going to go to jail. You can't use a fucking ambulance like a taxi service. We need want- to have these people prepared to go in a moment's notice. For just- Here's a great one. I got called a couple weeks ago because this woman says that she was afraid she was going to fall out of bed and wanted us to help her move over from the edge of the bed. Un-fucking-believable. Who thinks to call 911 for that? Like that's fucking that's the fucking truly craziest part. Um It is fucking uh insane to think that something that should happen that should only be for a fucking cab service is to uh, First of all, I wish that we had some better place to send them than the emergency room. Because what are you going to do with somebody at the emergency room? Give them a Valium? Yeah, give, yeah, they'll fucking give you a Valium and just, I don't know, take your fucking vitals. You ever know. walk in and, like, what, you just fucking saw through your wrist? 
You show up in there and there's a lot of fucking people who look fine just sitting around the emergency room. The fuck? That's them. That's all the people that want to fucking value them. Um, here's Shane. Shane in D.C., you're on my fence. Hey, guys. Uh, one of that fence, does he think maybe he should have called 911 when he was in Niagara Falls because he had shit? Well, he couldn't shit because people would have heard. People would have heard his shame. Do you not see the logic of what I'm talking about here? No, I don't see it at all because if it's a mental emergency and this right, guy's let's in try distress, this. You've, getting... had, you've had heart attacks, right? Yes. Would you want to know that the ambulance wasn't there because they were driving somebody somewhere else so they got to you in your heart attack six minutes later than they would have? I mean, don't you think that should be an emergency? Isn't the heart attack an exact emergency? Isn't the car accident an exact emergency? A guy who's feeling freaky, who needs a trip to the emergency room, could call a cab. Just call a cab. They're yeah. out of it mentally and emotionally. They can't. The hell, if they could fucking figure out 911, they could dial 777 <laughs> It's on the fucking sevens. They'll get a fucking town car there. Dial seven. That's all you got to know. <laughs> Come on. They have, they have songs and jingles now. It's all out there. If you can dial 911, you can fucking dial 7, right? Come on, it's the best ride yes, in town. Yes, but the AMTs are going to be able to help him if he's in distress immediately. A cab driver can't do that. What distress is he going to be in? If he's, if he's going to hurt himself or he's going to hurt someone else? This guy was a fucking retard. This guy is pretty fucking nuts. I Just some 18-year-old weirdo. I, I get it that Wanting he... to get arrested. Uh, I get it that he has a fucking... You know, chemical imbalance. Um, here's Brian. Brian, you're on the Run of Fest show. Ron, uh, I'm a former 911 operator, and uh, my, my funniest call ever was this uh, guy who called up all hysterical because he was trying to eat breakfast, and all he had were blueberries, and he wasn't sure if they stood alone. All right. Say, that gets all fucking weird. Uh, John, you're on the Run of Fest show. John. All right, let's move over to Bobby. Bobby, you're on my face. Hey, buddies, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, just, you know, I, I kind of keep that as a point. I, I used to be an EMD and, and working with uh, therapists. They, they do tell the patients if it's a crisis, call 911. Referring to what Fez is saying, if they're going to hurt someone else or themselves, then definitely call 911 and get an intervention. But if it's just because you're writing dreams out, that, that's nonsense. <laughs> and from those things, it sounded like... Alright, so he was in a crisis. No, he was. He was just writing his dream book. Or whatever right, the fuck. Now you're saying a weird dream constitutes a crisis. I I think he the fact the way he reacted to it constitutes a mental health crisis. I had a, a dream a week ago um, that there was some kind of a fucking break in. And I was doing the saving the family bit. Nice. And when I woke up, I felt exactly the same as if it was happening. Holy I was like shit. fucking standing up like. <laughs> That's scary fuck. as fuck. I am ready to fucking go nuts. <laughs> uh, dreams are crazy as shit. We still don't understand them. Um, here's Mike. I, here's what I'm saying. If you want to do that and it's not a crisis... I think you should get charged. I think you should be charged the same way that if you needed a cab. 
If you just want a trip to the fucking hospital and there's nothing wrong with you, I say you get charged on it. And I worry about heart attack victims, Fez. I'm speaking for you right now because whether they get there in four minutes or six minutes means life or death. Some of these small towns only have a couple guys out there. So what happens if they're driving somebody to the hospital and a guy on the other side of town has a fucking heart attack? Um, Mike, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, I wouldn't have dissuaded you from getting an ambulance. They're like 1200 bucks. I went and won once, and my insurance didn't cover it. Why were you in it? I cracked my head open. I was drunk. And why wouldn't they cover it? Oh, they just wouldn't. I, I ended up paying, well, I ended up paying 900 of it, and they covered about 300 Probably because I had a shitty insurance company. All right, I'm going to save you a little bit of money. I want you to go down to fucking Modell's, pick up a football helmet. <laughs> Take that fucking face mask off so you can do your drinking. There you go. Just get like a really long straw, and then you're good. You drink beer out of a straw? That would be nasty. But, you know, in case this guy might take the fucking helmet off. Uh, Katie in Michigan, you're on Run of Fez. Hi. Um, I'm a waitress, and there's always two cops that come in. And the one cop yesterday was on a pigeon call. And um, they, she told me that people actually call 911 for an injured, injured pigeon and they have to go on the call. So that's what we waste our taxpayers' money on is an uh, injured pigeon. I wouldn't fucking dream of calling 911 unless there was a, a fucking full-out emergency. The blood has to be on the walls. Uh, JR, you're on the run, Fez. Uh, yeah, usually I love to disagree with Fezzy, but I'm, I'm with him on this one for, for some unknown reason. Uh, what if the guy dreamed that he killed his family? He didn't. In the morning? Hey, what did he say? What was his dream? Uh, first of all, his whole family was there. <laughs> and I mean, you, to me, then you send the cops. Because okay. for the same okay. reason, we're not going to have them going in. If the, the fucking first responders, if there's shooting going on, you're going to send the cops first. Oh, I get sending a fucking cop over. And throwing this fucking knucklehead in the back. This fucking idiot. And Fez, you start calling up about your dreams. I get the cops picking you up. Yeah, well, this 911 operator just didn't just wanted to blow the whole thing off. Didn't want to investigate any of it. Yeah, because she's got no other calls. She doesn't have to worry about the other fucking backlog of calls coming in down in Miami. It's got to be crazy down You there. must be worried they're going to keep you, huh? Oh, yeah, I'm very concerned about that. Yeah, that it's like, because uh, I'm going in open-ended. Does that mean your ass up? No, oh. just face down, ass up, university. <laughs> it's a great fucking institution. Um, Justin in Tampa, you're on Fez. Hey, Fezzy, should, uh, should Martin Luther King have called 911 after his dream, or should he have waited and told us all about it? He should have called 911 early morning, April 4th. Oh, no. Before shots rang out in the Memphis sky. Oh, my God. They took his life, but they could not take his pride. No. I'm telling you right now. Clinton thought he was Martin Luther King last night. Fuck. He was a wheeling, dealing, kiss-stealing son of a gun. Damn, Bill. I like it. He had swagger. Oh, beyond swagger. Fuck. Dave, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, Ronnie, how you doing today? Good, buddy. 
Hey, I just want to let you guys know uh, that whack job, he uh, he was hired K2 when he made phone calls. They know that for a fact now? Uh, that was that was the report I saw in the news. All right. <laughs> Good old fake drugs. That's when you're not sure what whether you, what thoughts are real, reality, oh, what are inside. A lot of your thoughts are on the outside. Oh, no, they're leaking out of my head. I meant to not say that. A friend of mine smoking dust once, so he goes home. He's fucking laying in bed under the covers, with you know, the covers up to his eyes. <laughs> and then he hears a fucking siren, and he thought, oh, Jesus Christ, I started a fire with my brain. Oh, fuck. Nazi dope. <laughs> yeah, fucking dust will fuck your shit up. Plenty of dust heads I fucking hung out with. You gone out with, like, sexually? No. I've known, known people who fucking just can't smoke, stop smoking dust. And you felt madly in love with them? <laughs> no. What would you rather do? Smoke dust and feel like that all the time or feel like Fez? I'll become a dust head. At least the dust heads. I don't know. I had some good times with them. Fuck yeah. You get knick-knacked and you just fucking <laughs> put them up on the shelf. Like a little fucking knick-knack that everybody can look at that doesn't move. Come on, let's smoke some dips. It's going to be fun. Well, now you're in the sherm. It's a whole different <laughs> fucking thing. Well, might as well, you know, jump in. Jump in. Wally, you're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, well, just so to be clear, so I know what to do, uh, if I have like a deja vu moment, should I call 911? Because they're pretty freaky sometimes. Basically, that's all the guy who said he was calling for. And he was trying to prove something to his parents and his... I like that he hung up immediately when he had to talk to his parents. No. Can we talk to your mom? Duh. No. <laughs> Don't tell my mom. Tim, you're on the run fest show. Hey, guys. One of the things that a couple of municipalities are doing now is that they have vouchers for taxi rides. If they show up and it's a bullshit call, they'll just give them a voucher. And if they keep showing up, uh, if it's not like a, if it's certain ambulance services, they'll actually bill you. And the average average bill is like between eight hundred and a thousand bucks. It's it's a lot of money, and your insurance may not cover it. Good. Yep. They'll stop calling all the time. Dicks. Fez is holding on right tight right now, like we're attacking him. You never call nine one one and tell him that your dreams are fucking real, Fez. No, I've never done that. I've never felt that crazy. I felt nuts before, but not where I should. I'm like, oh, I had a bad dream and called 911. You're just going to be useless until you check in, huh? We thought checking in would make him feel better, but because he put it off so far in advance, oh. like every day he feels like he's driving there. That's bad. That's not helping anything. No, I just keep going through it in my mind. I, I'm trying to put it out of my mind and just think that, no, it's, it's for a good reason. It's to help. But it doesn't keep the nerves away. I bet they'll get these gay thoughts out of his head. Oh, they will purge you of all the gay thoughts. Won't have any access to that Russian rape porn, that's for sure. There was a piece in the uh, paper today. About four Marines that beat up a gay guy outside a gay bar. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw it. I'm like, I wonder if Watley's going to see this one. You know what he said to them when, you, when they were done? What? Thank you for your service. Oh, so he liked it. So maybe it was like a... I don't know. Oops. Just something he says. He got it from his dad. Oh. So he just repeats it. Instead of seeing people's individuals. I got fucking doing lots of drugs for my dad. <laughs> yeah, you're quite the rebel, aren't you? You're in the fucking family business. <laughs> 
<sighs> Unfortunately, Fez is more focused on Jimmy Kimmel as the en enemy of gays rather than people that actually physically gay bash. Well, there was a, a Kimmel puts out this bit. It's his, one of his YouTube assignments. And as he puts it, uh, find the most terrible and embarrassing outfit for your kid to wear back to school. And it's amazing what people think of when they hear terrible or embarrassing. One mother put their kid in a uh, I'm gay t-shirt. I'm so gay t-shirt. And that got the biggest laugh from Kimmel's audience. Why can't you be honest once? The t-shirt said, I'm gay, I shit ra I'm so gay, I shit rainbows. <laughs> what fucking kid would want to wear that to school? <laughs> now, the kid also wouldn't want to fucking wear a t-shirt that said, I'm mommy's best little baby. The kids just don't want to be fucking seen by other kids. They'd love to put on an invisibility cloak and go to school. So I just so it's made private, Fez. Can't we can't? Uh, okay. We can't play it. So now you're mad at Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, he's the he's the one who picked that out as this is the funniest thing ever. You know, some of the kids were given girls' clothes, so it's like anyone who happens to be transgender, that's a big laugh. Anyone who happens to be gay, that's hysterical. Worst, embarrassing, most terrible thing for a kid to go to school with. And Cranky, cranking it up. You should fucking have watched that Clinton thing so you can see how to flip the script without being cranky. I've got it DVR'd. All right, I'll wait until you get it. I'll wait until you watch it. So I, I go, well, I, I saw some of it, but I got the whole thing DVR'd. The guy went on for 45 minutes. So what? I mean, I know that some people say that. Why is that a problem? I mean, a stand-up special is longer than that. I watch Big Brother, it's longer than that. Why does someone act like 45 minutes is too long? The balls of that guy to talk for 45 minutes. I see some of the talking heads. Out. What is the problem with 45 minutes? It's just that it's hard to pay attention for me that long. I'm, I, you know, I'm just short attention spanned. You do a four-hour show, and you're on it the whole time. Uh, do you wish that we did a one-minute show? Like a live read. Yeah, um, no, I don't wish that we did a one-minute show. But yes, he can turn positive uh, negatives into positive. I'm clocking Fez now until he gets to 45 minutes. Right. That so, would be a long 45. It was that. People would start freaking out. I never get the complaint, though, that... Oh, I, I mean, if you watch a stand-up special, it's an hour. Yeah. And no one goes, I can't pay attention anymore. How dare? How, how can he go on? Actually, so? I do like a six-minute set, like they used to do on the old Carson. Unmasked is an hour. Do you fucking wander away? 
No, no, not at all. So why, why would this, because I do hear people out there saying it, I think it's just one of those things that people like to repeat, rather than thinking about it, I think they like to just repeat it, because nobody in the place had a problem with it. He was getting fucked with or whatever, no one was there. No, man, they were going fucking ape shit. That's pretty cool. Um, Jerry, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. What can we? What can I do for you, Jerry? Hey, um, wanted to see if uh, Fezzy thought um, singing "I'm a Little Teapot" is gay. Uh, whenever my uh, nine-year-old son misbehaves, I make him go out the front yard and sing it, and he uh, stays out there until he gets the whole song all the way through with the uh, lyrics and the gestures and things like that. Is that wrong? Why do you do it? Why do you do it to him? Why do I do it um, to embarrass him or just to, uh, I like, you know, hearing him sing? So, you know, much the same as if he were to go to school with a, uh, I don't know, I'm daddy's little boy or a mommy's little boy t-shirt along the lines with the, uh, It sounds like you got a rookie on an NFL team, not so much a son. Did you throw him into an ice bath a couple weeks ago? Oh, God. And start throwing, dropping in bombs? Uh, all right, you're on the Run of Fez show. <laughs> yeah, hey, Ronnie. Um, you know, I'm from calling here Fest Talk for 45 minutes. I'm usually an audible listener. I'm going to listen to three weeks of broadcast to catch up to 45 minutes of Fest Talk. Take him, Fez. Take him on your 45-minute fucking speech. I got your audible right here in my pants. It's four seconds. Yeah, I probably, I probably can't go 45 minutes. Um, That's 15 seconds with just an um. Yeah, sorry about that. So just uh, uh, enjoy what you get. That was all I had. I don't. I don't have forty-five minutes. One minute into President Watley's speech, forty-four minutes to go. I guess that it was. Uh, he went on so late, too. That makes it seem a little bit longer. But he had the he had the he did have the place going nuts. They like the new trim Bubba just as much as they like uh uh big ninety two Bubba. I don't know if there's a president that's had that many nicknames. Bubba, Elvis. Two. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to fill the 45 minutes. It'd be 43 minutes of leg rubbing. We're at two minutes right now. And, and, uh... That was a long one. And a lot of it was, um... I guess improv from what they said. Well, if you guess. 
Uh, Tim in Tulsa. Ronnie B, a million bucks. Fezzi can go for a lot longer than 45 minutes. I've heard him do it. Skippy kiss. Skippy kiss. Kit cookie. Cookie. Skippy cookie. Show him, Fezzi. Fez, you're back on. That, that that day was a failed experiment. I thought for sure uh, the cat would talk, but no, that 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 wasn't happening. I think you need to talk about positive things if you're running for president. Not so much stuff that you didn't that didn't work. Hope, right? Change. I did like the part of the speech where you went into the two nicknames, Bubba and Elvis. Hey, whatever, call him Billy. It's not very presidential. Slick Willie. Oh, yeah, Slick Willie, yeah. Big Dog. <laughs> Big Dog's probably the best one. Um, Fat Cigar, the intern fucker. <laughs> it's fucking great. It's the man. Uh, the clip is back up now, too, Hicks, for people that want to go over and see. Um, here's uh, Jack. Jack, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, what's going on, Ronnie? I hey, want to try to help. I want to get Fezzi to the conversation. I'm here in Massachusetts to the flock up to a life in prison for killing his wife. Now, the state's been paying for his hormone treatments for years. They just had a judge agree to pay for his sex change. Well, the taxpayers are going to pay for his sex change. Well, that doesn't seem like a uh, major um, thing. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. I mean, that seems elective is what I was trying to say. Really? That's elective surgery? A sex change? Yeah. Yeah, because you're electing to, I mean, you're choosing to do it. It's not necessary. I thought you necessary. were born that way. If we don't turn this man's dick inside out, he's going to die. <laughs> I think somebody needs to read over the glad stuff. Because it goes back and forth. Whether they were born this way or what. I've always said everything's a choice. We're going to enlarge this woman's clit to the size of a small penis or her head's going to explode. That's got to be one tender penis. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? you got to be like, hey, hey, hey. The fuck are you Don't up? be touching the penis. Whoa. I'm going to piss on you now. Ugh. All right, people are writing in. Fez is about to call 911 on the air. Maybe Fez can call 911 when he can't think of things to say on the air. Uh, let's go over here to uh, Vince. Vince, you're on the Run Fez show. Hey, this is Vince. Hey, Fez. Yes. Pretend like you're, di pretend like you're just... Uh um, taking money from us for all these years like politicians do and go ahead and uh, you can speak on that. Get us to re-elect you again. Re-elect Fez Watley. Maybe Robin's getting fucking nutty, dude. What's the rubbing about? Uh, just this itchiness that comes over me and uh, the chest tightness. They're going to fix all that? I really, really want them to. 
Du, 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 du. Bob, you're on the Run Fest show. Yeah, Fest doesn't sound like he's going to make it to the not hat check in. I hope you have 911 on your speed dial, Ronnie. Right, everyone keeps like doing the 911 bed again. We won't get off of that. Coming up a little later on in the show, we're going to have uh, Josh Radner in. Nice. He, uh, part of that big TV show, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Is he the one who meets somebody? I can never tell. I think he's the guy. Yeah, it's, there's, there's voiceover on the show. Like Yeah, sort he's of, the one. Yeah. So he's like in the future talking to his children. Yeah. That's fucking sci-fi, dude. Yeah, I was, I was the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, this is a fucking weird angle. That's sci-fi. Yeah. Where Wonder Years was at least in the past talking to us. Yeah. This guy's all the way in the fucking future. I'll never forget that summer. I could do my own Wonder Years and just fucking explain to people I don't remember a lot of shit. <laughs> You're just going to get bits and pieces of either hysterical or horrifying fucking moments. <laughs> Wait, it went down like that? Fuck. Um, Brian, you're in Fez. What's going on, guys? Uh, Fezzy, I want to try to give you something to talk about. Why wouldn't you uh, want to move to like a gayer neighborhood in New York, uh, like Ronnie suggested? Well, I mean, what would be the reason that you, you wouldn't want to do that? Hell's Kitchen is where it's all about right now, the HK. Fuck it. You got to be in the up and coming. Big old That's how you get ground floored into that, you know, where it's a whole new society. And as it's like coming up, right? So like everyone's part of it. And with Hell's Kitchen, you can walk to work every day. Oh, nice. And then Hicks can go over to your place to smoke, and when it rains, <laughs> you can set up a nice little fucking man cave where when he thinks he's smoking, it's actually Sherm. He's paralyzed. <laughs> you jump on him and have your way with no, him. No, I don't want to get raped. Um,. Howard, you're on the Ron Fez show. Yeah, did you hear what Fezzy said? Fezzy said he's going to a doctor so they can fix him. He never said nothing about him fixing himself. Just like with being gay. He don't go to a bar to meet a guy. He don't go out. Or he don't do nothing. He wants everybody else to cater to him. Well, I get that it feels superior to Fez Day. But he's doing a lot of stuff right now. Yeah. Um, he's talking with the NFL. He's got that thing going on. Fuck. That's crazy. That Holly conversation seriously made me laugh so hard. Somebody sent me the whole thing. And I'm just fucking laughing because I had a friend whose mom was probably as crazy as that fucking person that, uh, you know, called 911. And she would write to the newspaper what the family was up to. <laughs> <laughs> and every once in a while they would print it. What? I swear to God. And that family actually went on to become a reality TV family in real life. Wow. Very famous reality TV family. That's pretty fucking cool. Um, and I, I think it started like fucking years before with their crazy mom. So they just, they just turned the craziness They're into fucking like, money. They're just like, look, everyone seems to be interested in this. <laughs> Everybody's off the rails. Or on the rails. That's my little joke that I did back at Mikey Boy for you. Because we all think that fucking Mikey Boy's a cokehead. Oh, 
big time lawyer. Yeah. Fucking just getting gacked. Just fucking all night fucking cocaine parties. Just doesn't sleep. It's weird. A lot of people don't like to do all day cocaine parties. Well, it, I had no problem with that. Fuck, yeah, just some midday bumps. Well, we fucking pull the shades like gentlemen. We pull the fucking shades and we're in here. See, Mikey boy? Here's some fucking tips. No one's leaving this room until the pile is gone. Sounds fun. This is a fucking matter of trust right now. <laughs> Anyone who walks out that door, I know it's the call to cops. Fucking narcs. That's still working on his 45. How'd you feel like you two did? I thought that was awful. Alright, I'm going to do a Fez thing that he does to me and, and has been doing for years. And I'll do the dead air, right? And right. you play the part of Ron, and then okay. you, you start to talk. So you ask me a question, and when I don't answer, you, you come back in and rescue me. But give it enough uncomfortable time. Okay, uh, so, uh, Fez, what do you think of the DNC? Um, the... The DNC. Yeah. The DNC, yeah. yeah. Then he acts, he'll, oh. when I start to talk, he'll throw things out like I just interrupted him. So I'll stop, and then he'll, he'll let it go, and go back into the interruption. No one ever catches on to that, but inside, it fucking entertains me to no end. It just <laughs> makes me fuck. I do, like, little high fives inside about it. All right. Every time you catch it? Yes. And so Any time that we do the run with it bit, you know, take the stick. He's fucking notorious, but he's, it's there's, like, a passive brilliance to it of, like, oh, dude, you just fucked me up. I was ready to run for 45. To you, started talking. Why would you interrupt? Um, Jim, Long Island, you're on my face. I heard the 911 oh. guy's dream was that his cat could say cookie. <laughs> Jay, you're on the run of face show. Hey, it's a million bucks, Ron. I was wondering if you heard about this woman that just got killed down here not too long ago. The car, sheriff's department was saying, well, the news department is saying that she was a, an informant for the sheriff's department. The sheriff's department is refusing comment. Her family got a lawyer, and they went back to the, I guess, to the record somehow, one way or another, found out that she was an informant for the sheriff's department. And they had a whole bunch of cases that she was involved with. And uh, they're, they're not doing nothing. They're leaving stringing her out there, leaving her out there the truck. Yeah, well, you know, that's the thing. I mean, she's not a cop. You know, she's an informant. And most informants inform so either A, they can get out of some trouble they did, or B, that they can still sit around and do their bumps with a certain amount of peacefulness. Huh? You know, so it's a fucking dangerous game, but you make a trade to play it. Or I'm going to sell out my friends while I, can, while I continue to either sell dope or get high. Remember the old 70s shows would always have the pimp as the informant? Yeah. Was it a Starsky and Hutch? Yeah, something? like Huggy Bear Huggy and all Bear, those yeah, type yeah, yeah. of fucking people. Fucking narc. But well-dressed. I mean, dressed to the fucking nines. Fucking 70s has some great fashion. Oh, yeah. What's really funny is, like, if you go back and look at the early Springsteen stuff, it's exactly the way he dressed. The whole band looked like a band of pimps. That's fucking sick. Why did they, they abandon that? I don't know. Jake Giles' band used to do the same thing. They were like, basically, we're five pimps ready to fucking tear the roof up this fucker. <laughs> I'll go see a pimp band. 
Fez, you, you ready to do 45 Clinton style? Holy shit. No. Isn't, you never know that Springsteen and those guys just dress like that? No, no idea. Look at the fucking floppy ass hat Springsteen has on <laughs> in the fucking shades. That's hysterical. Why is he fucking dressed like that still? People He's like an Asbury Park pimp. <laughs> That's great. Clarence never really gave it up. That's smart. The rest of the band. And at some point, fucking, he decided I'm going to be, you know, the jeans giant. I'm just going to fall into the jeans thing. It's constant fucking denim. We got a, a video of Chris Christie fucking singing Thunder Road. And I was so hoping that he would nod out in the middle of it. He did this, like, whole show business thing, like, what? We're singing? But the fucking mics were all set up for them anyway. It's great. Christie's fucking very entertaining. Maybe, you know, 2016, he'll be a president. He's the biggest Springsteen fan I know. You love Bruce Springsteen. I do. I do. You just saw him last night. Yes, in Philly. And what number show is this? And I'm not lying. This is not it, it, was, it was my 130th show last night. I'm serious. This guy is serious. Wow. Well, one thirty. I mean, was 13. Yeah, I mean, exactly. so, yeah. And I'm going to be 50. So it's a lot of years. But. Did, did you start back in Asbury Park or where? Like where? So, um, first show I saw that was at Seton Hall University in South Orange at Walsh Gym um, in 19. It was either it was 1975. Gosh. So I know exactly who you are, by the way. Yeah, because I've been to Springsteen shows. You're yeah. the guy that screams all the words louder than Bruce Springsteen behind yes. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah pumping yeah. his fist. Yeah. Absolutely, like that. Like the fist, fist. That is you. Yeah, you are. Yeah. yeah. Like, what do you do? Can you give us a little taste or something? I was doing it last night. What can you do? Could you do a little Thunder Road or something? Have me and you. Yeah, I'll do it. Like they don't have it. No, it's planned. And look, there's the two microphones right there. <laughs> Funny thing is, that sounded like shit, of course, but Jimmy can sing. So, <laughs> fucking, he loves having his guests like perform musically. Yeah, he loves having them do anything. Yeah. Like, let's just stop talking and either play a game, <laughs> do a sketch. I want to hear about this. Come on, let's let's go fucking have some fun. I had them on last night. They were doing pyramid in the middle of the night. <laughs> Crazy. Him and Earl's girlfriend. Who's that fucking? Um, that actress that Earl always like stalks and, he, and fucking writes to. She was oh, in Diner. Oh, um, Ellen Barkin? Ellen Barkin, yeah. Nice. So we're not going to talk about your new TV show. We're going to go play Pyramid. You think uh, Earl has a chance with Ellen Barkin? Earl thinks he does. Wow, he's crazy and delusional. Is Earl stopping in this week? Uh, he's free on Fridays. Just Fridays? Fridays and Mondays are his days off, if I remember correctly. Last time I talked to him. That's why he's not managing that vibe. We got a break here. Uh, Josh Radner is going to be in in just a little bit. His new movie, Liberal Arts. Is this uh, released nationwide, or is it one of those rollouts? It's a rollout. It's like theaters. So is this another independent film? It's an independent film, yeah. And then it's, on, it's, it's uh, next Friday... A week from tomorrow, it comes out in select theaters, and then on September twentieth, it comes out on demand. Uh, 
We'll do a, qu- a Twitter contest and a giveaway with him at Josh Radner. Radner. R A D N O R. We'll uh, take a break, and that'll be up on the iBang as well. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's the Ron Fest Show. Show coming up in just a little bit. Josh Radner, Josh Radner, and we will be doing a first responders Twitter contest with him at Josh Radner. Make sure we get you something very cool inside. He's a big deal right now. It's very interesting. I was talking to the booking department, and they've wanted for years to get him for his TV show, but. Uh, he will come in to promote his independent film. Nice. And I'm like, well, why would he want to promote a TV show that's already kicking ass? He doesn't need it. But it is kind of interesting in my lifetime. I saw that you can do TV and then go out and do other things. Where it used to be, you were just in TV. You couldn't cross over. There was a just, there was just a line, right? That Fonzie couldn't cross over. Fonzie was the biggest TV star in the world, and he made movies, and people wouldn't show up to him. They're like, well, he's on TV. The screen's too big for us to watch him. That's fucking bizarre. You know, you could go from movies to having a TV show, but you couldn't go in the opposite direction. And this kid, uh, the interesting thing about him is he'll go out and make his independent films. He writes it, he stars in it, he produces it, he directs it, and, you know, then he went to Sundance and kicked ass with it. That's fucking awesome. In the meantime, I look at you. Yeah. You've found a way. A lot of people haven't worked this out, but drink smoke pot and eat pills, still find time to lose money gambling. That is such a difficult thing to do. To not to say, yeah. no one addiction is going to limit me. I'm going to be as many as possible. The gambling's hard to pencil in, but I make sure to do it. And with the internet, I can gamble on horse racing any time of the day from a computer or my phone. Do you pretty much stay away from any kind of business talk on the weekends? Because I notice Sunday nights you're ready to go. Like, you're back in the game. But Friday after the show, you shut her down. I mean, it, it it's, gets, it's out of your mind. I get, I start getting whacked, and it's hard to concentrate. Because I, you know, I had a couple things I was thinking about talking to you about over the weekend, and then I had to keep saying, wait, this is Chris's fucked up time. <laughs> this is when Chris needs to be really fucked up. Uh, should we, should, come on, let's go. Let's do it. I don't want to. You you're a planned blackout. Absolutely planned blackout. I need some order in my life. We can always use that computer screen, too. Um, Anyway, that'll be like uh, in about a half hour or so, Josh Radner will be stopping by. Liberal Arts is the new film um, opening select theaters. But a week after that, it will also go on demand, which... I like when the smaller films will go on demand. Everyone gets a fucking chance at it. 
It's great. By the way, the master comes out that same day. That's exciting. I saw my first kind of mixed reviews where, like, the acting's great. They had a little problem with the story. Up to this point, I've been hearing masterpieces. I saw a headline saying that, oh, it's bad, but I just dismissed that. I didn't read the review. I just saw a headline, a link or whatever, yeah. and I was like, fuck that. No, that can't be true. I'm not even going to fucking go into that. Well, I got a thing with P.T. Anderson. I'm on board. And me and Cameron Crowe admit he got it first. Well, he said there's some people you just take the ride with. And I always like that because, yes, it's true. P.T. Anderson's one of those dudes. Absolutely. I've seen everything that he's ever done, and I will see everything he's ever done. He's got that. We could make up a list of people that we will see everything that they've ever done or listen to or whatever happens to be. It's going to be a short list. But it is a list that, for me, is non-negotiable. Once you're on the list, even if you start to be bad, I'm not one of those people who's going to get angry with you. This is lifetime, right? I mean, this yeah, is, men. Well, good and bad. Even if there is no bad, or even if it's, you know, it's turned bad for a long time, whatever. I don't get all that offended. If there's a Woody Allen movie I, I don't like, I'm not like, I'll just be like, oh, he's really getting worse. <laughs> but that's it. I'm still in. <laughs> I'm not fucking turning that around. Um... You had an NFL story that, and I noticed that you've become our health guy. Yeah, I you know I worry about these things. So. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's me. That's me now. A uh, institute found that NFL players are three times as likely to get Parkinson's and Alzheimer's of the, out of the general population. They looked at retired players who played between fifty nine and eighty eight, and then and then they. Uh, they found that out of just that sample size of just guys who retired from the NFL, their brains are much worse condition, mm-hmm. and they're probably going to get you know three t- as opposed to you know just regular fucking Joe. Alzheimer's is something I always worry about. It's scary as fuck. Yeah, I mean, did not have you know did not have control of your mind anymore. Did not feel like you're in charge of your own thoughts. Ugh. Just basically just blacking out, not knowing what the hell's going on, and but you know. Just being confused. Well, here's the problem shit, is, man. Like, if you ever watch those movies, like, when someone starts to go crazy, they're always, like, fun crazy, but in real life, they're more paranoid, Dangerous. angry, yeah. You know, they're, they're, like, suddenly like a dog that's bad. Like, they're striking out at the people that love them. Fuck. I grew up, my grandmother had uh, the Alzheimer's, and I lived with it in my house for, like... 18 years, 19 years, like my whole childhood. Fuck. And there were, like, only occasionally... I mean, there would be times, like, when I was, like, little that she would be in and out of it. Like, my dad would be like, eh, I'm starting to worry about mom. She's a, uh, you know... And I wouldn't say it, you know? But then by the time I moved on to high school and all, uh, you know, she would answer the phone and say all kinds of crazy shit. <laughs> or she would, you know, do some dangerous things like leave the stoves on. Oh, fuck. Every faucet in the house going so at, at a certain point we actually had to put a locked door on the kitchen so that she, she you yeah. know and be like did you lock the kitchen <laughs> you know what i mean because Make sure you locked the kitchen yeah because it could be the difference between life and death you explode the whole fucking house <laughs> yeah and uh she never was like happy with it it was always like paranoid that somebody was after us or you know 
she's probably yeah, scared all the time. Or yeah, just, scared yeah. or angry or whatever. You know, it was never good. So I remember thinking, like, as a little kid, even before I ever even heard of euthanasia, I'd be like, I think I want to die before this happens to me. Because, like, when you're a kid, you see things and you're like, well, this is what happens to old people. You don't even realize, yeah, it's only fucking, you know, that it's, there's any uniqueness about it at all. Um, so I think I was a very early person in the euthanasia before I know what's happening. I was like, I will make sure I take care of that. And now, if there's any kind of Alzheimer's cured thing, they say I'll read the fuck <laughs> out of it. I'm like, what do you have to do here? Hmm, it's working on rats. Turnips, huh? Lots of turnips. Because it's still like a thing. I just know how horrifying it can be. And she would also like leave sometimes and not know where she was going. So I would have to go out and find her in my neighborhood and stuff. You know? Shit, yeah, it was rough. It was rough for her. It was really uh, nothing that you'd ever want to experience. It seemed like to me like a waking nightmare. And then the, to see that happening with Fez, it's been like a remarkable thing. The difference is... My grandmother would grab a mic and go 45 straight minutes and just Damn. do it. But one of the... She could rock it. The funniest things that I ever saw is um, I was like a little kid, and for some reason, she used to do this thing like with the Red Cross when she was a kid. Like She had like a uniform, and they would give out donuts to soldiers or whatever. She came down wearing that. It was talking about the war. <laughs> and I mean, like... It was fucking fall down funny. And we were all like, yep, we're going to turn Hitler back this time. <laughs> it's happening. I can feel it. It's, it such a, it's such a bizarre disease that, that those are the memories that you keep, or at least they stay the longest. Because there's a, it's in a different part of your brain. It's a different part of your brain where your short-term memory is and your long-term memory. Just like you don't think about tying your shoes or putting on your pants. You don't think about it. You are thinking about it, but just in a different part of your brain. So there's certain memories, and they don't know why this is. Like some of your short-term memories will make the cut and get moved over into the Hall of Fame. I'm going to keep these memories. But think of how many things that happen that you can't remember. Like you can remember stuff from third grade. You might have like enough memories in third grade that you could go back. If I said, tell me something from third grade, you could. But at the same time, there are things that happened in the meetings yesterday or email that you thought that you responded to, but you blocked out, whatever it happens to be, that are very short-term. They just happened. And they're gone. And they're gone. And yet you can recall stuff vividly from when you were younger. And... You know, if you want to ever follow that kind of science, there's guys that spend their life trying to figure out why we, you know, why things get moved into the save department. And the weird stuff is, it seems to me, most of the time, like your your childhood memories, there's like really happy, oh, we went to fucking, you know, Disney World, or B, my dad hit Terrible me, you know what shit. I mean? Like, so whatever you decide to hold on there to will let you know... Like, if you ask most people, hey, what was your childhood like? They would even tell you it was great or it was horrific. But the truthful answer would be mainly boring. Um, Didn't do a lot. A lot of dullness. There was coloring. 
for some reason, I went to bed incredibly early in those days. Watch like the same movie <laughs> over and over and over again. Why do kids love that? Um, were you a um, childhood book guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had the book fairs at my uh, elementary school where I would fucking go buy books. We're gonna we're gonna get into uh, today. The five is on childhood books oh, nice. that mean everything to you. Um, some of the ones that you can actually even read as an adult. We've got the top five. Uh, we'll be talking about that a little later on. Hey, um, Bruce, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I worked the laundry in a nursing home one time, and I saw all the shitty old diseases you get. You know, cancer and heart disease and congestive heart failure. And I always thought Alzheimer's was the one I'd like to get because those Alzheimer's patients were almost always spry, almost always happy. And the only thing they had is just it was hard on their family because they didn't remember their family always. But they just had an unawareness of, of the, the end coming, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like, they, did, they just were fucking happy to be there most days and didn't realize that, you know, I'm probably going to not make it another couple of months and all the heart patients and cancer patients. We're just always depressed and down. Um, yeah, I think the whole thing, though, of like, if you are not you, what could be scarier than that? That's the part that gets to you. If you can't remember your children, if you can't remember anything. Then it's like you don't exist, really. Yeah, what is the point of it all? It's almost like you're alive while you're dead. Yeah, you're like the shell of an adult, fucking human, right? And, and then... But there's nothing filling you up. By the way, those old folks' homes just scare the shit out of me. I don't know if I could ever put up with it. When my dad's aunt, who had Alzheimer's, when they uh, put her in the nursing home, she had worked as a waitress all her life and kind of reverted back to that point in her, in, in her timeline and in the dining room would try to take the other patient's orders. Well, I would definitely love that for her in my dining room. So I they said, just yes. let her. Yes, uh, I wanted a sweet tea. What's a special today again? How fucking strange, though. And anything that has to do with, like, the brain and learning is really, really amazing when you think about it. I mean, just like I brought up that you don't think about tying your shoe. That's just something... That gets kind of taken over by your subconscious. Yeah. And how many times have you driven places and never once thought about driving? You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're fucking singing along with the radio. You're thinking about what you're going to be doing, what you did before. And then you're there. But you're never doing that, okay, left hand over right, and we're turned. I'm breaking into the turn. I'm speeding out of the turn. You know, it just kind of happens. You're just fucking doing it. Um. Here's James. James, you're on the Manifest Show. Hey, guys. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, Ron, I wanted to thank you. Uh, a couple of years ago, you, you made a similar comment about, you know, you're really nothing but just, you know, a culmination of everything that you remember and you don't remember are just kind of, you know, they're lost forever and, and it's not even really part of you unless like, you believe in, like, the subconscious and stuff. Um, that's really freaked me out, especially since I've had kids. And you, know, you, you look at and you can't remember what they were like a year ago. And, and then you look at them and you realize, you know, when they're three years old, how huge of a part of like, your existence they are. Mm -hmm. But they're not going to remember anything. 
from like that part of their lives. Um, so. And yet they do because that's when you, um, that's when they say most of your stuff goes down. Like most of the way that you see the universe um, will be come in in those first four or five years. And a lot of times uh, I fight that. You know what I mean? Like I go, it just can't be. But the way that you think of family and fairness, everything happens in those first three to four years. That's the way nuts. you think about women, yeah. uh, the way you think about work. And the mo at most you could do for the rest of your life is chip away at hmm. some of those... i got to change some of this. Yeah, things that were embedded. Um, Lucas, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I had a grandfather who had uh, Alzheimer's, and he, he was from World War II, so he could remember all his World War II stories. But the the thing where the guy was saying, like, they, they're not afraid of death or whatever... And that he was scared to death every day of his life. He didn't know where the fuck he was. He, 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 whether he was at my parents' house or at his uh, senior living center or whatever, he just knew he wasn't home. So he and he didn't know why. So it's like it was terrible to watch. Um. Yeah, there is a, a, a huge amount of fear that comes back. Um, for some Alzheimer's patients, huge amount of paranoia, and that that was the thing that kind of like I don't want that at all. Brian, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddy, Ron Bennington, the best spoken man in show business. The the small thoughts going into the Hall of Fame is so true. I had uh, this one. I was at a funeral, and my aunt was like, let's go get a pizza. This is like 20 years ago, and I'll always remember it for the rest of my life, and it's so insignificant. It, it, that's the interesting thing, though. Is that insignificant, or is that something that you should figure out? What was it about that moment? Maybe it was just a peaceful thing. Maybe you were just right with the world at that moment. I I have this weird memory of being a kid. I was driving out, uh, riding around on my bike. I was waiting for my friends, and I was going to meet up with them. And I uh, sat under a tree, and I had this little Coke, right? And I was just kind of looking through the Coke as I was drinking it and like look, trying to make like rainbows and stuff. Yeah. And that memory for me is incredibly strange where I'm like, was that the most peaceful time of my life you know what i mean like was there something about that that i should try to get back to and i'll tell you it's the weirdest things um that you will say to yourself you know what's important and what's not important you know and then it all goes it leaves with you like that moment which may or not have been important is just mine. It's nothing that could even be shared. I couldn't even tell that story where somebody would go, oh, I get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's Yeah, it just disappears. And I'm telling you something, Chris. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen things that, that you wouldn't believe. Um, attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I've watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tanzir Gate. All those moments yeah. will be lost in time. Like tears in rain.
that's great one, Grout. I don't know why I didn't kill Chris Stanley when I had the chance. <laughs> what? Maybe it was the last months I lived my life more than I ever had before. Not just my life, anyone's life. All I wanted was the same answers the rest of us wants. Where do I come from? Where am I going? How long do I I've got? <sighs> Fuck. I love that scene. That fucking movie's so good. That little bit there, you know, does remind me of exactly what we're talking about, you know, like what does this mean? And I don't know why we fucking play it so lightly, you know? I think it scares people to think of it any, in, a, in a more deep way. Like, they just, they don't want to fucking worry about it. Well, did you ever read any of the Jungian stuff? No. Like, he was like, uh, he was like Freud, but then he kind of believed in mysticism and spirituality, and but not like... Well, the answer's right here in the Bible. Like, he would be constantly looking for it. And there was always this uh, weird thing where I read um, where someone had said to him, I dreamed I was on the moon. And he walks them over to this lunar globe, and he goes, where? Where exactly do you think you were? Like, just taking it like, perhaps this is a possibility. Just being open to the fact, who knows? Maybe somehow you got there. Let's try to figure this out. That's wild. But if you really, um, you know, it's one thing they try to convince you of when you're a kid and you won't wrap your arms around it when people basically say to you, don't waste your life, you know what I mean? This is all so fast. And when they tell you that and you're a kid, you're like, okay, thanks for lying. Because things take forever. What yes, are you talking about? I can't tell you how long it waits for my TV show to get on. <laughs> You have nothing but this long, crazy amount of time when you're a kid. Fuck, kids are dumb. And then, you know, every once in a while, in the middle of this slow slog, an older person will just jump out at you and say, look, go for it. Go get that girl. Kiss her right now. And you're appreciate like, this. Dude, there's going to be so many women. No. There's going to be so many opportunities. You don't know that. I do know it. You don't know shit. You're a little kid. Yes, and every second is an hour. No, it's not. I don't know why you think like that. I get it, but you got you got to stop doing that. Just fucking appreciate this. You're gonna be dead. Look at the old man panicking for no reason. Fuck. It was the weirdest thing. Like, uh, I remember like being a kid and thinking, well, I'm peaking right now. You know, I can't get any better than this. You know, I hope I can hold on to this. For It must have been just a complete ego to me. But I remember once, and this is like a thing that I, I, I kind of had a panicky moment about when I was little. And I remember because my mom was like putting stuff in the laundry and uh, in the laundry basket. And I go over to her and I had like a spiritual question. And I'm like, Mom. When I die, will I get to be four again? And she's like, what? And I go, will I be four? I don't want to be an old man in heaven. I don't want to, you know what I mean? Yeah. I want to get, basically what I'm saying, to the peak years where I'm at my best. <laughs> now. Why be four? And my mom said this. Yeah, you'll be four. 
You're gonna. She's folding the shirts. You'll be four. Don't even worry about it. It's gonna work out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My mom is a very big believer of whatever gets you through the night. Just yeah, you're gonna be four years old. Don't even worry about it. Exactly. And I was like, want. oh, good. Thank God I've got a wise adult who understands <laughs> all the different dimensions it's that amazing. can help me as I as I make my way through eternity. Um, the memory thing is the the weirdest weirdest thing. And if I was even slightly smart, I would love to w work in that field. But I don't like to even see brains. Really? Like the, yeah. The thought of a brain. Ugh. That's pretty cool looking. Disgusting. It's like a, to me, uh, a brain and a gonad look amazingly alike when you peel the fucking well, skin off them. Fucking brain is just meat. Like you cut open like a brain, and it just looks it's meat inside. But it holds fucking. See, the thing is, it's not even meaty enough for me. It's more like a jellyfish. Uh, it's like ugh. You have the jelly. They have that thing on top of the brain, right? It's like a the membrane. Yeah, the membrane. Yeah, yeah. See, I think it would have like a tuna consistency, like a tuna fish. Like, like if you cut into it, like jelly on the outside, but like very flaky on the inside. Oh, I don't see any dryness at all. I see. I'm I'm gonna go more like the, the jellyfish thing, where I feel like you could squish it pretty easily. Oh. And I mean, that's why your head is so fucking thick and hard. You could take these amazing bumps just to protect that one thing the the soft fucking important stuff at all costs keep that thing fucking working and that's what weirds me out about taking you know uh chemicals every day i'm not talking about doing some asset and that's it or whatever i'm talking about changing your brain chemistry is just the weirdest thing to me long term you know like oh if you take this every day you will be you'll be thinking different. You'll become someone else. You'll stop having the bad thoughts or whatever it is. Whatever it happens to yeah. be. It just seems like what a roll of the dice that we're doing here. What a fucking crazy roll of the dice. Well it's test on animals first, so we know it's okay. Yeah, because they have personalities. Yeah. Um Elizabeth, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey Ronnie, hey Fez. Um, my grandmother has Alzheimer's. I mean, we are literally right in the middle of the eye of the storm with her right now. My mother is moving in with the, with her and my grandfather to take care of her. Yeah. And she is a completely different person than yeah. the woman who was my grandmother growing up. She was ran her own business, sharp as a tack, I mean, and ruthless. We used to call her the Ice Queen. Right. She is the sweetest person now because she doesn't remember to be angry. But um, she's scared all the time. She, See, that's the sad part of it. The because scared. she's like an AM radio. Like, sometimes things come in loud and clear, and she knows who everyone is, you know, where she is, what's going on, and then just fades out. It's like, a, a, you know, her eyes are like vacant. And she calls my mother by all different names, none of which are hers. But she never forgets me or my daughter. And it's just bizarre, like, things that she holds yeah, on to. Yeah, you don't know which which like uh, she, they, they will hold on to and which they won't. Right, like, she can't remember my mother's name, but she doesn't forget that she needs, she wants me to paint her nails and to get her hair colored, and she puts lipstick on before she leaves the house. 
but she can't remember my mom's name or like what's today. Oh, I don't know. Boy, that's that's got to drive your mom crazy. And we probably. asked her who the president was, and she didn't forget that she was a racist. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that stays with you. Yeah. That's the important thing. All right, yeah. Thanks so much. Uh-huh. Uh, bye. It's hard-lined. Um, Adam, you're on the Manifest Show. Yeah, as a kid, I remember the time my parents told me about death. I remember I was in the car. I vividly remember this. And uh, it screwed me up so bad, I'd have panic attacks because my mom compared it to falling in space. Oh my God! And I didn't understand it, and I would always think of death <laughs> and just think of falling in space, and I would literally have to shake myself, stand up, and shake myself out of it because it would freak me the fuck out. Now, why did they even feel the need to bring that on? Because I was—I think I want to think we were coming back because I remember coming from Jersey, and that's where my father's family was from. So I'm thinking maybe there was a funeral or something because we never really talked about death. <laughs> yeah, that can get to you. When, you know, the first time, and it's so weird that you hope you say the right things to kids, but who knows whether you do or not, because they might not just keep asking questions. They might just let it sink in. Yeah. Uh, well, we were talking about Josh Radner, and Hicks is a gigantic fan of his TV show. Oh, hell yeah. How I Met Your Mother. It's great. And we still don't know how he met the mother, right? No, we're still fucking looking into the past. Well, Josh, when he's not becoming a successful TV guy, um, does these independent films that he writes and directs and stars in, and he did uh, one that won the Audience Award at Sundance a couple years ago called Thank You... Happy Thank You More, Please. Happy Thank You More, Please. Uh, And this one is called Liberal Arts. Uh, and it's going to be available on Friday the 14th, and then comes out uh, around the country, but you'll also be able to see it on demand. Um, at Josh Radner for the uh, first responders, and uh, let's bring him in. Uh, Liberal Arts is a new film, Josh Radner. Radner in studio with us, and we are uh, reliving some of the music and scenes because what a beautiful campus that you shot this uh, film on. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's my it's my alma mater. It's Kenyon College where I went to school. How weird was that for you to go back and shoot the film there then? Um, well, I, you know, I'm from Columbus, which is about an hour away, mm-hmm. and I'd been back a number of times over the years, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't like I hadn't been back on campus. You know, the the, the character Jesse, who I play in the movie, it, you get the feeling he hasn't really been back a lot right. over the years because when he when he gets back on the campus, he's just like euphoric. Um, but I had been back a number of times, and uh, you know, I'd never shot a movie there, obviously, and I got to you know move this army of people up up you know to this hilltop surrounded by cornfields in Ohio, and and they got to experience the college at least for for a little 
little bit. Well, always to me, the great thing about the idea of college that they did early on was let's get them away from their regular society. We'll move out into the country, and it's this world that now becomes... Uh, run by young people who are open to everything. And that's the part of it, I think, that you romanticized in this film that I've never seen anybody else do before because they're like, college, we were partying, we were all together. You love the idea of that feeling of you can be anything and you can talk about anything yeah i mean most a lot of college movies are about you know frats and beer and chicks and all you know just kind of being away from the parents for the first time it's a little more hedonistic and and i wanted to make a movie about um you know the things that i remember most from college i mean that you know beer was a big part of college sure but but what was really exciting to me about college was the professors you know the, the encountering new ideas the um reading new books you know having having new thoughts like being challenged uh, your 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 ideology being challenged and um, and I'd never really seen a movie that that dealt with that and I also you know it's a celebration of 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 reading and books and and you know it's it it, it both celebrates a liberal arts education and also is a kind of recognition of its limits on some level. Well, see, because the idea of college has changed over the generations, where it used to be go around, go out, learn to be a thinker, learn to have more in life and be open to and now it's like what job can you get and yeah. we go hey he went for four years and he didn't get the good job so the college blows right exactly you know? and, and and then people leave with mountains of debt and you know and that's it, insane and, it, and it's a it's a it's a valid argument to be having i'm mm-hmm. of the opinion though that college you know there's a joke in the movie where she asks his major what was his major he says i was english with a minor in history just to make sure i was fully unemployable mm-hmm. you know and i think that on some level college for me, you know, it's not about vocational training. You know, it's about learning how to think, how to, you know, broaden your horizons, how to wrestle with paradox, all those things that will serve you in your life. Um, whereas, you know, other people feel like you got to go, you got to learn a trade. Right. So you're employable when you get out of there. But I don't know the statistic, but like, you know, many people switch careers. You know, they don't start off with the yeah. same career they may be trained for in college. So I think it's, you know, for me, it's, you know, use that time to, to grow yourself personally, and then you'll, you'll fall into the career you're supposed to be in. Well, the most interesting people that you will ever meet have failed at a bunch of things. You don't realize that when you're younger. Yeah. But when you're 40 and you're at a party, and the guy's like, I was in the Merchant Marines, and then <laughs> yeah. I was a bartender in Vietnam, and you're like, what? This guy's fucking great. Yeah. But when you're a kid, you panic at those thoughts. Yeah. You know? It's also like, I always thought it was it was crazy that we ask 18-year-olds to decide what they want to do with the rest of their life. Yeah. Like, you don't know who, who you are when you're 18. Right. You know? And when you're 22, you don't really know what you want to spend your life doing anyway. Like, even... Yeah. So I think, it, you know, we have these expectations. Like, I think I was ready to go to college at 18, but I don't think everyone's ready to go to college at 18, right. you know? Most people, if you really look at it, I always go by the museum trip. And when you see kids at a museum, how fast they go through a museum, and then watch elderly people take forever to make a museum <laughs> trip because now they're interested. Yeah. Now they want to yeah. know how the world works. Yeah, I mean, I... I recently read The Great Gatsby for the first time. I mm-hmm. just, you know, it was the first book I, I read on, on my iPad. Like, I was kind of resisting that whole thing, but I, I really enjoyed it so much. And I was supposed to read it in high school, and I never did. It was just one of those books I was like, oh, this feels boring to me. Um, and I
over by the book. I thought it was amazing. And I was like, we shouldn't be asking 16-year-olds. Right. Who, can, who can understand this book at 16? It's, it's true. You know? It's so true. And at the same time, there are other books that I went back and reread, and I'm like... I love this yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. And this is just boorish behavior. Yeah. Now that I'm an adult, I'm like, why did I think right. Ken Kesey made so much That's sense? so crazy you just said that, because yeah. I was thinking that the book my senior year that, 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 that I thought was the greatest book ever written was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, yeah. and it was, I just tore through it. And I wonder, <laughs> I've wondered recently, like, if I read that book again, would it land on me on any level? Well, you know what was funny, too, is they just did a documentary about the... Uh, the trip, the one that Tom uh, Wolf wrote, the acid test and all that, and Kesey and his all that. Oh, yeah, I know And about they this, were just yeah. like a bunch of thugs. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I was just reading like, this is fucking great. Yeah. You know? What were their names? It was the... Uh, the, the Merry Pranksters. The Merry Pranksters, yeah. Yeah. But there's so many of those books that, that they give to you, and I think that's one of the things that, that you bring up in the film, is that once you get out of that experience... You don't get it again as an adult. You don't sit down with your with your friends and, and try to wrestle with ideas because look what we do politically. We just yell at each yeah, other. Yeah. And, you know, the, no one wants to take the time yeah. that it takes to go, let's go through this. Well, I think you, know? you, ha you have to create your own kind of syllabus. Like mm -hmm. you, you, it's up to you. You know, do you want to, um, you know, surround yourself with people who are kind of challenging or do you want to be in that kind of echo chamber where everything you believe is just thrown back at you to reinforce everything yeah. you believe you know and college for me is an, was an exciting time just because I, I I had to get out of my uh you know even if I had any opinions I don't know if I had any opinion but certainly you know there's a line where Jesse says to the professor you know he's complimenting him he said you had us read books by authors you hated you right. know, and I had a professor who taught a book for two weeks that he then revealed he thought it was total crap but he taught the book and I thought this was th that's a great lesson to be open to, to be open hear. to it yeah. you know uh, Richard Crenna plays that part. And uh, he, Richard Jenkins. Richard, Richard Jenkins. Sorry yeah. about that. He is so amazing in this yeah. that at certain times I'm like, you could follow him and that would be a movie. Oh, I sure. I mean, he's playing this small part, but he's so... At, he's at a crossroads like any kid would be at a crossroads and here he is, you know, at retirement age. Yeah, and that was one of the things I was dealing with in the movie. You know, I, at a certain point I had these characters going and I realized that everyone was dealing with some level of dissatisfaction or, you know, wanting to be where they weren't, you know, mm -hmm. Zippy, the college kid, she wants to be a little older. Dean, the depressed college student, doesn't want to be at the college. Jesse wants to rewind and go back to his college years. And then I started thinking about the professor who's retiring and I thought, oh, what if he panics? What right. if he's, you know, he's been at the school for over 40 years and he, he's kind of, he has a lot of bravado about retiring. And then suddenly he's really staring at it. And he panics, and he and he's 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 got a you know. There's a really devastating scene where he he asks the head of the the, the department for his job back, and it's this really, you know, Richard's so brilliant in it because he just lets us see all that vulnerability, and uh, you know, it's not. I think there's this myth in our society, like you get to a certain age and you have things figured out. Right. And I just don't think, you know, every stage has its own set of challenges. And, uh, you know, Richard even says in the movie, the, the professor, the Peter is, a, is his name in the movie, he says, you know, nobody feels like an adult. You know, that's the world's yeah. dirty secret. You know? And that's the thing is like all your life you're waiting to hit this spot where, okay, now... I'm going to cruise through, but it doesn't happen. Yeah. And what, what freaks us out in America is we think money or, you know, finding the right, all those things are going to somehow ease you, yeah. but you're on a journey whether you want to be 
or not. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. I think we we look to those things to take us away from ourself or our, or whatever crisis we're going through. But really, you're bringing yourself to all those situations. So you know, if you're a miserable person unemployed, you might be a miserable person in success. Yeah, you, you it know, can you're happen bringing, very very yeah. Quickly. Or you get married and you're just miserable with someone with you. Yeah, you know, uh, all the things that we think are what we want. Uh, works sometimes better as a dream, better as something to pursue. Yeah, and if we if we depend, you know, it's a kind of Buddhist principle. You know, you're depending on something external to bring you happiness. You're always going to be disappointed. It might provide you with some relief in the moment, but mm-hmm. it's like a drug. You're just going to need more of it. You know, it's what they call the hungry ghost. You know. Well, I think that's what you've done. Interesting in your career is you get where most people would think. You know, having a hit TV show would be it. I'm now going to chill with that. And then you take on these films where you're writing, directing, and just, I guess, bringing a whole, a lot of stress in, as well as, you know, the thought of achievement, but yeah. this is your off time and you're battling these things, you know? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, one of the things that was shocking for me, you know, as a, as a, as a young actor and you're, 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 even if you're working a lot, you know, I was working enough that I didn't have to have a day job, but I had cavernous amounts of time. Mm-hmm. So I was always, you know, I started writing, but I was also wondering like, man, is this really going to happen for me? Like, you know what would make me happy if I had a hit TV show and I just had a place to go every day and I had a long running TV show. And so I had this fantasy about, you know, like when this happens, I'll be happy, dot, dot, dot. And then that thing happens and it was kind of exactly what I wanted to happen. Mm-hmm. But I found for the first two years, I was battling this kind of melancholy and I couldn't figure it out. And I realized it was because I had, I had put so much on this idea that this one thing would save me. And what I really have learned is what makes me happy is, um, like really feeling like I'm of use and really being creative and really collaborating with a lot of people to create mm-hmm. something. So, you know, the greatest joy in my life in the last few years have been, has been making these movies. And you're making these movies without machine guns and robots and all the things. I mean, you're really kind of stepping back into almost a, a 70s type movie for yeah. me where it's about people interacting and who knows exactly where they end up at right. the end of that. That's also kind of left to us as, as the audience. Yeah, as well. yeah. And I like that kind of quality. Yeah. You know, I have to fight my tendency to put ribbons on everything and, you know, show mm. everyone, like, hey, they're going to be okay. Right. You know, there's a scene that got cut from the movie where the uh, the Richards character and Allison Janney's character meet at a restaurant, you know, and it's this fantastic scene. It'll be on the DVD, you know, mm. deleted scenes. But it, it was so good, and it also, we didn't need it. Right. You know, it kind of got in the way... And there's something nice about Jesse driving away and leaving Richard going into his house and, and Allison sitting on the bed with a, some whiskey. You know, we don't yeah. know what we, we kind of, they linger a little bit more in your imagination. Um, but you know, in terms of the movies you're talking about, you know, this kind of seventies filmmaking, it seems like studios used to make those movies and they, they've abandoned them. You know, they just don't make them anymore. So it seems to have fallen to, uh, you know, independent filmmakers who want to mm-hmm. make these movies that other, that, you know, 20 years ago, the studios would have, would have produced and they're just not doing them anymore so well they don't do them anymore i guess because they're harder to say here's what it is yeah 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 you can't reduce it to a log line yeah you can't make toys action figures out of them and then you also this is the type of film that you end up discussing instead of the other films where no matter how they make you feel you're done with them the second that you're done with them yeah and it feels to me like a lot of those movies are about a kind of um you know, visceral thrill in the moment. You know, it's almost like we're all a little asleep and they're like the the things you put on people when you have a heart attack to kind of (laughs) jolt them back to life, you know? And this, I I think it's, 
it's confusing, you know, from a marketing standpoint, like, well, how do you market a movie that's about, you know, I don't know, aging, nostalgia, growth, change, you know, that has complicated characters. It's about a lot of things that, you know, I, I, I don't know that the marketing departments, uh, maybe it's laziness. I don't know. But. Well, yeah, I, it, it, it gets frustrating, but the fact is you're doing it yourself, so it's getting done. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's the great thing about it. And the other part of it is you walk that line because the, the type of film that you've did and the fact that you've taken that out is that we wait for that to be too precious. These kind of films have almost been ruined by TV or whatever mm-hmm. because we want to say, here's the easy thing. Here's right. the easy way out of that. Right, right. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult thing, you know, to when you're writing, you want to create you, you both care like I care about my characters so I have this kind of it's like I call it the Boy Scout rule you know leave them better than you found them mm-hmm. you know but at the same time you want to put them through enough of a journey that you feel like you've earned your, your, your yeah. them landing on their feet a little bit and that's a, that's always a challenge because you you don't want to terrorize them too much you know there's like you know there's filmmakers like uh, you know Lars von Trier or something who, who you know almost <laughs> tortures his characters you know you're thinking like oh emotionally, yeah like these poor these them. poor characters these poor actors you know <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, you know that's always a, that's always a challenge uh, and I thought the other thing this got to me uh, living here in New York when you went back to the school and we're talking about what people like about that era, that if you look at places like Brooklyn and kids are starting to move there post-college to kind of keep that thing alive, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That if you go, and this is happening in a lot of different places around the country, where young people are saying, we're going to move into these old neighborhoods and kind of fix it up and do something different. And I think that's a lot of college friends doing that, or people from all over, you know, that want to recreate that experience. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's it, it speaks to that that kind of like, hey, this is great. Like, let's keep this going. That, you yeah, know, there's that. Um, it's almost like a like a like a sweetly socialist impulse. Like, let's mm-hmm. create a community where we can hold on to our ideals. You know, we can not hold like on Sundance. To- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, let's 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 all stay together. You yeah. know, it, it it always seems to. Um, I remember when I got out of NYU, we had the, these big, we always, we wanted to see each other because we were addicted to being with each other, 17 people for three years. And we said, we're going to meet every week and we're going to read a Shakespeare play every week together and have, you know, yeah. cocktails and talk and share what it's like out there. And I think we did it once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you just, you just, you, life, life takes over. Life does uh, take over. And yet those ideas and those uh, that system that you set up stays with you, I think, throughout. Like the, yeah. those people, you have to look back at now. The the guys that you went to school with. If you suddenly did something cheesy and made you know big money, you'd be like uh, the guy from the Big Chill who comes back. His friends <laughs> are like, yeah, okay, good. Yeah, he was like the least respected character <laughs> yeah, right. in that in that movie. Yeah, yeah. And I always love that because those are the guys that you can't kind of bullshit. Yeah. Because you've already laid it out in front of them. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I, re- I watched that movie about two years ago and I remember th- being very amused by the fact that none of them were taken with his <laughs> yeah. stardom. They just didn't give him anything. Yeah, nothing for him. Yeah. Uh, so, this kind of film that you're making, you've done two now, yeah. off on your own, do you want to stay in that or are you looking towards helping change the studio system a little bit? Oh, man. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't really been... Uh, 
inside that machine mm-hmm. in terms of being a filmmaker. So it's hard for me. I think a lot of people, it's almost like saying like, I'm going to change politics. Like right. it's a, it's a big, <laughs> that's a big machine that you're trying to dismantle and rewire. So the thing is, you know, I've made two movies in the last three or four years and they're my final cut. You know, I have the final cut, which is a huge thing for a filmmaker. Absolutely. Have. And I, I stand by them. You know, if you like the film, it's like I made it. I made it obviously with a large number of amazing people helping me, but um, I, I really, it's, it's my vision, you know, up there. So it's, it's a hard thing. You know, I, I, I certainly contractually wouldn't have final cut on a studio movie. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not something I would say no to just as a rule because mm-hmm. I, th- I feel like there could also be, you know, my father, uh, worked with a a very big law firm in Columbus, Ohio, and he was courted by some smaller law firms, and it worked out for him to be with a bigger law firm. And he said, you know, don't fear something just because it's big. Yeah. You know, that that there's great people working there, and there's smart people who work in the studio. I know some really smart people who are working there. It's not a bunch of morons. It's like people who do know what they're doing. They're just, they're beholden to, to certain expectations that, you know, maybe independently you wouldn't be. Yeah, and you're going to look back at people who've moved through, you know, Sidney Pollack I always thought was a guy who could make his kind of films yeah, inside totally. that system. Totally, and, and he's, a, he's a real model for me. Yeah. yeah, and it's rare, but it does happen. But it's also rare to be able to finish, write, and direct, and edit, and finish two films in a couple of years. I don't think most people get how just gigantic of a task that is to pull off. Yeah, most people don't. I think, you know, you become very sensitive to it after you've made a movie. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I suddenly felt like I had joined this fraternity of of fellow sufferers, you know, who, you know, you look at a movie, and even if you don't like the movie, you at least know that there was an army of people mobilized. There was a lot of time and energy and love that went into the thing, unless it's like some really trashy, cynically constructed thing. But if people are making personal films, you know, I'm kind of in that... Sundance community because both my films have premiered there and you you just have to kind of tip your hat to to the fact that they got the movie made and yeah. brought it to Park City and all that. It's a huge task. Well, here's a great thing that's happening if you're all around the country where you can't get to a theater that will be playing this that On Demand will release this as early as September 20. And I, I love the fact that there are a lot of films now that you can see Particularly if you don't live in New York, LA, yeah, Chicago, yeah. it's I think it's great for people to be able to see films. Oh, like I think this. it's terrific. I mean, every you know, filmmakers, we have this. Uh, um, you all have this fantasy about the, this brilliant theatrical run where everyone gathers together and mm-hmm. watches it on the big screen. But I'm also, you know, so many people discovered my first movie on DVD and 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 seeing it on TV, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm just happy for people to see the movie. And VOD is a great thing. You know, it's not like people who are going to love liberal arts are only people living in urban environments with art house theaters, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like there's a lot of people that could find a lot to love in this movie. And if, if they can see it on their TV, wherever they are, I'm all for it. Liberal arts, uh, in select theaters next Friday, September 14th. That's New York and LA. And it's rolling out around the country after that. Keep an eye out for it because I, w- I always prefer to see it in a theater if I can. But if not, if you can't get close, be on demand September 20th. Josh, thanks so much for coming in, buddy. Oh, great talking to you. Congratulations. Thanks Thanks so much. And I'll see you next time. Okay.
That's uh, Josh Radner, his uh, film, uh, Liberal Arts for First Responders. And I know he's got a lot of fans of his TV show. Uh, his Twitter is at Josh Radner, at Josh Radner. Uh, but it, I think it's amazingly cool that the guy is going out and making his own stuff. It's great. Instead of partying or doing the Cashing robot in. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Like fuck it, I'm gonna write and direct. I'm gonna do things I, I want to do. You know, we could run away, away from the robots as good as anybody else. <laughs> it's all green screen. Did that take you back to your beautiful college years where you were so open and you were like, "Stay gold, pony boy." That's right. Sony purchase, purchase New York. I'm here to purchase some drugs. <laughs> Actually, that old school that you went to. A lot of amazing people have come out of it. Yeah, it's like the call. I think they call it like the Purchase Mafia or whatever. That's the, that's a name for it of just actors who've come out of it. Actors, musicians, actors, musicians yeah, uh, directors, writers. A lot of great writers have come out of that school. Yeah. Abel Ferrara went to SUNY Purchase. It's very very interesting, and it is just a small school. It's tiny. Which this thing is like. I think sometimes that gives you even more of an intense. I loved it. Did you really? I loved it. I loved it up there. I had a great time. Now, it's, were it's, you, and there were a bunch of weirdos. It's but did, were off. you also open to the hearing new ideas thing? It was, yeah, it was great. I mean, there was some fucking... Like, there was just a musician. I hung out with a lot of the musicians, and they were just the craziest bastards you've ever fucking met. And it was just a fucking weird time. The musicians and the artists there were totally insane. It's a tiny little art school. I think it makes it so tough for people... If they allow themselves, like, after you get out of college, I think this happens to some people, where you go, I'm afraid to tell people that I'm going to start a band, or I'm going to be afraid to tell people that I'm starting a novel. You know what I mean? You can do that when you're younger, yeah. and then it starts to panic you after... I'm not in college anymore. Right, and I've got to... Start thinking real. But all the people who write, produce, whatever they happen to do, it has to start off with an idea that everybody is going to tell them, no, that's that's crazy. Yeah, you can't do that. That's impossible. Like, I'm sure. How's it going to pay the bills? That there's been a lot of parents who talked their kids out of being, let's say, Paul Thomas Anderson, who probably could have been as good as Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh. I was talking about this with Brian Regan before, about the funniest person in the world has probably never stepped up to a microphone, that they're just like <laughs> really funny with their friends, but think, well, that's stupid, you know? And you just have the feeling that there's so many people um, that are like that. Yeah, just never take the shot. Yeah. And then they're just, whatever, work some job and live their life, and they could blow the fuck up. Uh, Jason, in Detroit, you're on the Ron Fez Show. Hey, Ron Fez, pal. You're the best interview there is on radio. Every time you do an interview, it's just it's just so natural, it's so great. I mean, I'm going to kiss your ass here, but you deserve it. But um, the question is, have you ever had an interview where later you're like, man, that was bad, I didn't do my best, or you just didn't think it went well? The... Well, obviously that happens to everybody, but, you know, any kind of one-word answer people, I just fucking end it and get out of there. I'm just like, okay, that's the end of this. Um, I don't like anybody who's just like, yeah. Uh, there was a guy that we interviewed that 
he had done some big TV shows. And he did the voiceover the documentary. And I started to talk to him about the documentary. And I realized somewhere into it that he probably hasn't seen the documentary, that he just read it and knew nothing about it whatsoever. Just a booth. And that was... Um, but I found that actually more entertaining than anything else. Um, I don't really feel like I need to do, you know... To a lot of fucking past stuff with most people. Most of the people that come in here... And we turn down a billion people because we work in this place where a lot of people come through. I never want to, like, I couldn't probably interview reality stars or whatever. I would be just as bad as they are when they're on fucking Access Hollywood. I would be just as dumb with them. Well, I mean, they're on a reality show. What is there to talk to them about? Um, like so a, those kind of people would be you know, difficult. Um, but most of the, you know, I mean, we're talking to some of the most creative people. The, the thing about this kid that I like, and by the way, if you want to get in on the first responders, uh, what do you got signed there, Fuzzy? We have uh, Josh's first movie, Happy Thank You, More Please, on Blu-ray. Okay. Happy Thank You, More Please, signed by Josh Radner uh, for the first responders contest. And he's at Josh Radner on Twitter. Uh, you got a link up, too, on the iBang. But going back to you, Chris, you were wide open and hopeful as a college kid? Oh, yeah. It was great. First time away from that fucking crazy house of mine. It was just everything fucking was, was, felt good. And when you got kicked out of that school? One of the fucking saddest days ever. Because I, like, had appeals. It's so fucking stupid. This had, like, appeals and shit. And yeah. just went, went through all this process. And you thought you were going to finally like, just be let go with some kind of punishment. Yeah. And then uh, I think it was the vice president of the school was like, yeah, we're, we're not fucking going to uh, let you come back. You're an animal. What year were you in? I was a junior. Yeah. yeah. So you had three years. <laughs> three years in. Loving your SUNY purchase. Yeah, it was great. And now when any of those people that we talk about come in, you can't really say I'm a SUNY graduate mm -hmm. like you are. I went there for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. I didn't graduate, though. And then they look at you like, oh, my God, <laughs> I did it all. I'm not like you. I'm persona non grata. For life, is what I was told. As I was you can't even go out. back to the graduations, nope. basketball games. If they run my name, they're like, oh, we got this guy <laughs> off campus. You're the UCB Fred <laughs> of that fucking campus. How hard do we have to fight to get UCB Fred back in here just as a visit? Up until fucking 20 minutes before he actually came. It was the fucking annoyance of saying, he's not going to do anything bad. You couldn't find a sweeter... <laughs> Easier going. He had one fight in his life when a girl beat him up. And I don't know what we ever had to fear with that kid. Nothing. Oh, I know. He lied so he could be here and work for free. For fucking two semesters. God. For eight months coming in just... You wonder what's wrong with corporations. The fact that none of the creative people can even exchange ideas with HR. Oh, no. HR is just fucking... A death robot. Just makes everybody feel like shit. Run the whole fucking place. All right, here's Kathleen from the Bronx, your fucking hero. She writes, Great interview with Brett Ratner. Oh, my God, Kathleen. 
It's Josh, Josh Radner. Radner. <laughs> Josh Radner. Not Brett Radner, the fucking... Um, what 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 are the crazy movies that he did? Oh, Rush Hour was he the yeah, Rush Hour guy. Yeah, he's a Rush Hour guy. Yeah, and Tower Heist was his last film. Yeah. And then he got in trouble. Um, eight six six Ron Zero Fez eight six six Ron Zero Fez. Remember, first responders. It's at Josh Radner. We will take a break. Be right back. It's the Ron Fez show. Of slide covers today, huh? 866 Ron Zero Fez. 866 Ron Zero Fez. First responders still open. Your chance to uh, get signed. Josh Radner stuff. Young filmmaker as well as big TV star. And all around nice guy, Chris. He was great. Love him. Coming in like, oh, I've made a film I want the people to enjoy. Uh, Jermaine Lassier is bragging on Twitter. That he's in the trailer. One of the things that he wow he gave it a rave, um, and he got put in the trailer. This is what Jermaine's thing was, and it's actually really uh, perfect. Yeah, he's over there at Slash Film. Um, Jermaine said he made a movie, and I love movies, and I saw this movie. <laughs> Everybody gets a rave. Jermaine. <laughs> It's awesome. So that's very, very cool. Yeah. By the way, I got a thing from Paulo last night where oh, he sounded really low. Really low. Oh, boy. He just got back from that cruise. He wrote that yeah. list. He gets... Anytime he has a fight with his chick, he acts like it's the end of the world. But basically said that he wants to come up. He's going to uh, Photoshop Mike's wedding, right? And he's... You know, we talked about him coming by, and then he said... It'll be probably the last time that I see you. And it would be nice to see you one last time. That's scary. I got to take a little time out of my life and have a sit down with Paulo and just be a friend. All right. He needs it right now. And not yell out, you're fucking crazy, Paulo. <laughs> Stop being so indulgent in your but sadness. He is crazy. Pull huh? yourself up by your fucking bootstraps. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, we got a five up. Uh, Five books that stay with you forever. 
people forget like the first books that you read. Now, you were always a big reader, right, Chris? Yeah. Uh, and you know, I was just sitting here talking with Josh about those high school books that you read. And I thought his fucking point was perfect. There are so many times that people think if they didn't read To Kill a Mockingbird in ninth or 10th grade, then they're never going to read it. And you're like, no, this is fucking great. It's a great book. It's a great movie. It's not just for kids. You're going to love it. It's actually fucking good literature. But what is it about us that we have to be force-fed books? Now, I'm going to tell you that I never had any... Uh, childhood books and have no recollection of anyone reading really to me yeah my mom read to me all the time do you remember the stuff that she used to read you uh yeah uh she i would make her read where the wild things are to me constantly that made our top five where the wild things are is like the perfect book to tell a young boy i know you're nuts man <laughs> i know it it was great, man. It's really it. not all your fault. I want you to try and, you know, work with your emotions. No. But it is such... And again, you don't have to... I think the best books for children is the ones that adults go, wow, that's fucking great. Yeah. If, when that happens, you know it's fucking... It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to do the kid actually good. Down the road. So that was the one for you, and you was like, read me where the wall things Please, are. Please, again. Now, what is it about that book that you love? Um, I love the art The art in it. The fucking, just looking at those pictures was fucking amazing. And they, It is fantastic art. It was fast read, and it was yeah. fun, and it's fucking fantastic. Well, did you ever even see the stuff that they do where they bring it in and out? Of like it gets bigger and smaller. Oh yeah, depending on where he is and the kind of fantasy, just brilliant. And no kid is ever going to get that. No, you no got kid. Look, you got to pick it back up when you're an adult. To actually, fucking appreciate this shit. Um, up on our list of the five. If you want to get in on this, it's up on the iBank where you can write in any other books or comment on them. Um, to start it off, to me, Shel Silverstein. I would put anything by him in there, but the giving tree yep. with there once was a tree and she loved a little boy. Oh. That's fucking amazing, man. That's Just right off the bat. Serious shit. The right off the bat, you got to keep it together with that. Uh, <laughs> just a brilliant, brilliant book. Um, but, you know, I always loved any of the Where the Sidewalk Ends, Light in an Attic. I think there's two things that you have to read to kids, and that's Shel Silverstein and Jack Handy. And the deep thoughts, I honestly <laughs> think, are just perfect with kids. Because I think that the quicker that you can teach uh, any absurd stuff to children. I had it. Fuck I had that. It was hysterical, fucking deep, deep thoughts. thoughts. Yeah, deep thoughts. Yeah. I think it's just so brilliant for kids, and it reminds me of Silverstein. You know, it's aimed, yeah. uh, but you know, Silverstein stuff gets. But I think that there's such if you can teach a kid that it's all ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like all these things that we all worry about are ridiculous. I couldn't get enough of that shit. That um, deep thoughts. 
But the giving tree is so incredibly beautiful. Now, both of these things, which is kind of interesting if you've noticed, they will give these out to uh, adults as well. Um, Tony, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, uh, you stole my thunder a little bit. I was going to mention where the sidewalk ends by Shel Silverstein, but I Phenomenal. also always loved where the, the five Chinese brothers were. I forgot them. about the five Chinese brothers. That's kind of an ancient one, and where they drink up the ocean. Yep, and they hold it in their mouth. The one guy burns in a furnace. That was a, yeah. I, I remember. Yeah, it's really old and kind of frightening for little kids. We've kind of gotten away from a lot of that stuff, but it was um, pretty, pretty uh, horrible stuff for kids to deal with. Uh, Travis, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, my mom used to read me a little book called Good Night Moon, and now my wife actually reads it to my kids. It's probably been read, yeah, it's the same book, it's probably been read 10,000 damn times, and it's still going, pages are falling out of it, but they love the hell out of it, man. It's just a little plain Jane, kind of like where the wild things are, but very little words and more pictures and anything. And they actually now do, like, variations of, like, they do with that book, like they do with uh, Monopoly, where they oh. localize it. So oh, really? There's a Good Night New York, and I guess... I mean, I guess the whole wow. thing is supposed to be about gratitude. Like, you know, let me just remember all the things that are in my life. Um, but kids do like that monotonous oh, yeah. thing of this going over. One. I fucking completely forgot about this until I saw the fucking the cover. I'm like, Good night, I Moon? must have seen, seen, been stared, stared at that damn thing a countless number of times. You would just sit there loving your Good Night Moon? Yeah, loved it. Little adorable bastard. Did you sleep in pajamas or just your jeans and a sweatshirt like a hoodie? <laughs> Next to a fucking uh, trash fire. Good night, beer bottles. Good night, works. Good night, bong. Good night, hash pipe. Whiskey bottle. Good night, razor and mirror. <laughs> Poor little bastard. Um. Talking about children's books that continue to inspire you, um, there is something still, and the, the here's the worst thing about that we're getting away from bookstores, because when you're a kid and you find the children's section, what? It's just so fantastic. To be in the children's section. And, of course, you'll get that nervous feeling of, there's just too many books Where do I that start? I need. Um, but I hate the fact that you can't, um, you can't find as many of these bookstores as you used to. Um, here's Mike and PA. Mike, you're on Run a Fez show. Hey, buddy, I remember that my exposure to Shel Silverstein was uh, freaking at the Freaker's Ball, you know, that album? Yeah. And and then I see a child's, a kid's book written by Shel Silverstein. I'm like, holy cow, he, this is crazy. I think it was going to be like, just like the album, you know? Well, here's the weird thing. And, like, I've talked to so many people who knew Shel Silverstein and in different ways. Like Chris Christopherson wrote music with Shel Silverstein. David Mamet was a playwright friend of Shel Silverstein. That's nice. uh, people who write children's books, cartoonists were friends of his. 
uh, Playboy bunnies used to sleep with him. He used to live at the Playboy mansion while he was doing this and draw dirty, you know, stuff for magazines. He did not give a fuck long before you could not give a fuck. <laughs> so at one point, like David Mamet is talking to him about plays. Johnny Cash is talking to him about, mon um, you know, country music. Hugh Hefner is talking to him basically about X-rated cartoons. Dirty pictures. And all these people know him in different ways. It's just remarkable to me. It would have been... Um, one of my all-time things, if I ever would have got the chance to meet him. I just I just think he's just a remarkable guy. And um, another thing, like when he was um, singing, and if there were kids there, and they start to sing, and to, he was like, hey, I do the singing, dudes. Don't, <laughs> let's not turn this into some romper room thing. That's fucking awesome. I'm trying awesome. to lay some music down for you. Fucking I'm going to do the unicorn song. But I don't want everybody acting like assholes about it. Shut him down. So it wasn't even like he necessarily thought kids were so special at all. It was just part of his market. Um, Josh in Wyoming, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Uh, when I was a kid, my mom got me all the Dr. Seuss books. That's what I grew up reading. And then I graduated to the Goosebumps books, which are kind of <laughs> short stories, but for kids in, like, elementary school, sixth grade type stuff. What was your favorite of... All the Dr. Seuss? Um, it was probably either Green Eggs and Ham or Hop on Pop. I remember Hop on Pop was the very first book I could read on my own, and I was really proud about it. Any of those books when you're little are just so amazing to you. Uh, we have uh, listed up here, because just like with Silverstein, you're going to try to do that thing, but oh, the places that you'll go which they still give out to graduating uh, college kids. Yeah. It's still, you know, all the lessons in that are life lessons. But I remember a book called If I Had Duck Feet. And I want to see if that is definitely by Seuss. Takes us a while to get this up now because you can't hide it. But... Or I wish I had duck feet. I wish that I had duck feet. That's Is that Seuss? Yeah. I read that, and I can remember it in second grade. And what it basically is, he would imagine these things. He would have this imagination and basically get even with fucking bullies. He would go back. If he had a spout, he was going to fucking blow things. <laughs> in there. If he had wings, all this kind of shit. I thought it was just so phenomenal that... I remember, like, trying to write a story, which was basically just a rip-off. You know what I mean? Like, I was just coming up with other things besides duck feet. <laughs> I wish I had dog feet. I was trying to... <laughs> I wish I had a dog jaw. <laughs> I wish I had devil's horns. You know wish what I mean? Like, you're just, neck. like, thinking like I'm being creative, but you're just totally ripping off something <laughs> you just had. But that never gets uh, brought up. And it's not Seuss who wrote it then. They put it out on the same book. I'm looking down at the bottom. So it's not really him, but see how at the top of it they have, taking our time here, the Dr. Seuss thing. So I never really understood it, but anything that had that Dr. Seuss label was always really powerful. Here's Glenn in Canada. You're on the Run Fed Show. 
Hey, Ronnie, yeah, the, uh, if, I, if I had duck feet, there's three books that Dr. Seuss wrote, uh, wrote. If I ran the circus, if I ran the zoo, and uh, if I had duck feet, and they're like a kid's imagination and all the things he would do. And if I ran the zoo is a classic, is an absolute classic book. And uh, the other one that's a Dr. Seuss book that is a, uh, a phenomenal book, and I don't know if you read it, is the Dr. Seuss Sleep Book. He looked that one up, and that is a that is a classic, Doctor Seuss. How many of these books did he write, man? Fucking crank them out. He wrote. Uh, I know them all pretty well because I have a little collection. He wrote probably see the ones Hop on Pop and uh, the uh, Green Eggs and Ham. Those were early ones, and then he yeah. got into the Beardle the Turtle. Um, if I ran the circus, I think I saw that on Mulberry Street. Um, I remember that book. one. Yeah, uh, and there's, um, That's what he decided. I'm going to get a little heavier with the kids, and not just rhyme for them, <laughs> but I'm going to bring it a little bit. Right, uh, the sneeches, the star belly sneeches. Remember, mm. they uh, some of them had stars and some of them didn't. So some guy could the the the, the carnival came to town and paid everybody five dollars to put a star on their belly and ten dollars to take it off because then everybody had it. Thanks, dude. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Um, I want to find out why the Dr. Seuss thing was on the top of if I have duck feet. Theo Lessig, or Th- Th- Theo Geisel was his. Uh, that was a, a, a pen name he used. Oh, so why would he think this shouldn't be a Dr. Seuss? I wonder. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Theo Lessig was a pen name of Theodore Ge- Geisel, Dr. Seuss, and. Uh, but yeah, he, he said it. I remember reading that when I was a kid, thinking, finally, someone fucking gets it. Finally, <laughs> you don't have to sit around and be uh, ashamed of imagination. Because my imagination used to go so crazy when I was a kid, and it would go places that even I didn't even want it to go. And But when I read that, I was like, Jesus, this is... Great. If I had a dog jaw. If I had shark fins. Um, here's uh, Tom Buffalo. You're on the Run of Fez show. How you doing, Ronnie? Um, kids books. There's. You ever hear of the Wretched Stone? No, I don't know this one. Okay, I think it's by the same guy that did Polar Express, and it takes place, the same kind of art, takes place on a boat. They pull up a glowing stone. You never see it, but it's a, just a euphemism for television. Excellent kid's book. Or Were They Ever Happy? You ever hear of that one? No, I don't know this one either. It's cool. The parents go away on vacation, and there's the 14- and 16-year-old babysitting the little kids, and they paint the house with all the paint they found in the garage, and the parents come home, and the kids expect them to be super happy, and it's all different multicolors here and there. Great book. All right. Thanks, man. Wait, one more thing, yeah. if you don't mind. I sent you a book uh, about two months ago called The Thousand Autumns of Jacob DeZote. I don't know if you remember it. I don't know if you got it. It's a paperback book, but it's by the same author who did The Cloud Atlas, which I heard you guys talking about the other day. I have to tell you, I'm looking over at Chris Stanley, and didn't he's looking it. at me saying that you didn't get it. I I didn't it get sounds it. like something I like to read, though. Okay, I will resend you one, and um, you've got to read The Cloud Atlas before the movie comes out. It's fin- the guys, This guy is, without a doubt, I think, the, one of the top living authors going. Phenomenal. I also said Chris Stanley a book, which he did get, uh... A science fiction book. Well, this is a, Cloud Atlas is a science fiction, but a, a hardcover about 
I don't know, three months ago. And uh, did you read it yet, Chris? Yes, I, I read through it. What you through think? it or read it? I read it. I read it. I read I mean, it. read through it makes it seem like <laughs> you yeah, read here. Yeah, I know. You know, a little. But, but the problem is, it was good, but it's not finished yet, right? There's like right, a, the other four books are out. I didn't send you all four. Excuse me. No, no, no. I I, I looked right. for the other ones. I thought the the story wasn't finished yet. Right, when does this Cloud Atlas come out, Chris? Cloud Atlas comes out at, uh, October twenty sixth. All right, we got to read this before the oh, movie it, comes out. It's phenomenal. All right, it's we're gonna. Phenomenal. I'm gonna start a book club with Chris, and we're gonna read every. Uh, thing and after the chapter we'll have tea alright and we'll be like <clears throat> I thought it was very interesting do you think the subtext of the cloud being an atlas really fucked the whole thing up for me mm. I thought there would be more tea <laughs> some like tea biscuits or something <laughs> what is this Lipton um, Arizona <laughs> we have an yeah. iced tea <laughs> reading group Doug you're on the run of Fez show yeah, Ron, the first time I read Giving Tree, I was maybe five or six, and I got to the end, and I had, you know, I cried a little, a choked up, confused, emotional cry, and then I read it to my daughter when she was about five or six, and we got to the end, and she cried, and as she started to cry, I cried the exact same feeling as the first time I read it, like I cried through her emotion, and it was the exact same just guttural feeling that I remember the first time I read it, and it, it I don't know what it was, and I probably hadn't read that book in 20 years before I read it to her. I, uh, yeah, I always thought that that was a book that you read to kids, but and for a lot, it's really more about the parents and the mother in particular. Uh, we've got this up with um, kids' books that really stay with you. Uh, the Velveteen Rabbit comes up on it, which, let's face it, Toy Story, just an amazing ripoff <laughs> of, you know, oh, that the little toy comes alive. that wants to be loved. Oh, man. I haven't thought of that book in a long time. You used to read a lot of books when you were a kid, huh? Oh, yeah. Not so much anymore. Well, yeah, the alcoholism really takes away. <laughs> Fills up your, a lot of time. It does. You don't run into a lot of alcoholics that have spare time. They have to be drinking. They're like, I'd love to get to that. Um, obviously, I will as soon as I'm done drinking. Just got to put this down for a second. When are you going to put the cork in the bottle, Chris? <sighs> There's no, that bottle's flowing freely. There's no Jacob to keep this fucking cork in. It's all the man in black. Um, Brian, you're on the run of Fez show. Ronnie, one of the cool things about having kids is, is rediscovering books that are not ones you remember until you see it. Like, everyone remembers Dr. Seuss stuff, except my kids came home with this book called Wacky Wednesday. I, I hadn't remembered seeing it until I, you know, I would love to when I was a kid. I totally forgot all about it. It's the funniest book. It's almost like a trip. You know, every day the kid is seeing, or like in each, in each, uh, page, there's, you have to count the, like, weird things that are going on on the page and find them. And I mean, I'm the guy must have been on something when he wrote it. I think it's P.D. Eastman, which is, might be Dr. Seuss. Same kind of artistry. Um, great book, though, man. I would read, you see it, you're going to be like, it's under that, that Dr. Seuss label, so yeah, it certainly could be. All right, thanks. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 
866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Kurt, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Yeah. Are you familiar with the book, Talk Everlasting? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but that's for, like, a little bit that, older, that's right? Young, that's a young adult novel. We probably should do a young adult thing sometime of, like, what book, like, what book would you give a teenager? Oh, that's cool. I like that. There was this, ever read, ever heard The Giver? That fucking, like, kind of like science fiction, but you didn't know it was science fiction until about, like, the end of the book. It's, it's fucking really good. That's I don't even know this. Yeah, it's by... Um, you were all science fiction and fantasy, huh? Lewis Lowry. Lois Lowry, I believe. That's a fucking good book. Fez, when you hear all the book talk come up, it's just like when you hear the movie talk or the music talk. Yeah. They send you inside. You're just like, I didn't know people did this. Yeah, even children's books. I, I wasn't read to as a child. Me neither. But you can still discover them. Uh I don't know why my parents weren't into it. They just uh, weren't. Don't know if my dad ever read anything. Wait, I do think that he read The Grinch, but out of a, a magazine. Is it a magazine? Yeah, like sometimes they would reprint the magazines right. and stuff. But my dad did read me Greek tragedies. All right, this is um, Iliad? Yeah. This is exactly what he read. Because he was going to night school at the time, and I would, like, now get up in the middle of the night, and then he would just read me these things. That's pretty cool. And I was like, why couldn't Achilles have done something else for his heel? Why couldn't he just gotten, like, some kind of metal heel to put around there? He actually read me Dante's Inferno, which is a, is a weird place to take a kid. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, he's, his thing was... Reading it out loud helped him understand it. It's weird that I I uh, have those memories because he would always he used to go to night college right because he went away and and stuff when he was younger, and then once he got in his career he found it out he needed a degree to move up. So like most of my thing he was in night school, and uh, he used to like to say this stuff out loud so he'd get a better grasp on it. I was obsessed with like Greek mythology when I was a kid. That's pretty fun. Crazy about Greek mythology. That's awesome. Get the fucking Which Odyssey. I refer to. This is how fucking little I was. I was like, uh, read to me about the old time wars because I loved the fact that there would be chariots and shit. Like, <laughs> like it seemed like tiles. so much more honorable in a way to be physically in this. Like, like shooting just felt like eh. guerrilla warfare and shit. Yeah, it just didn't. Didn't seem like it had the whole thing for me. Um, a lot of people are putting their stuff up on the iBank today. A lot of phone calls are coming in because people don't. There's the experience that you have reading when you're a little kid, and then there's the other experience of sharing anything with a kid and getting either laughs or any kind of acknowledgments. And I know what you're thinking. That's for something for chicks to do. I get it. But not the funny books. Funny books keep for yourself. That way it's like it's your laugh. Um, here's uh, Taryn. Taryn, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hi, Ron. Hey. Um, I had two favorites. My first was If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. It just has amazing illustrations. It's really beautiful. I, I can't believe the artwork. And the other one was Ferdinand. You know Ferdinand the Bull? Yeah, Ferdinand the Bull. That's pretty old school, too, right? 
Yeah, and he was, you know, the, he just wanted to smell the flowers and sit, and he didn't want to fight, and I used to love that. I thought that was awesome. Um, thank you so much. Let's go over to Lee Shaolin. You're on the Manifest Show. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey. Uh, when I was a kid, I don't know, fourth, fifth grade, there's something called the Where the Red Fern Grows about this kid who has, like, two hunting dogs, and he, and, you know, he just goes out in the woods and haunts, and then when the dogs died, tragically, uh, from killing raccoons and stuff, uh, he buried them, and then that's where the red fern grows. Great book. Yeah, I think it is, too, but it's also a little bit older than what we're talking about here. We're talking about kind of your first books, and we will redo kind of young adult books. Yeah, those are good. That's fun shit. But, you know, this whole topic reminds me of what we were just uh, talking to Josh Radner about, which is that feeling of stay gold pony boy i mean that's what you're trying to do whether you're giving kids young adult books or little children's books that you read to them you want it to have some substance now sometimes straight comedy or thrill is enough uh mystery works yeah. great for kids that'll fucking get them even if you got to make it up yourself just make shit up just fucking lie. Well, I guess fiction could be called lying. <laughs> hey, this didn't really happen. Uh, by the way, uh, we'll be giving out that prize in just a little bit on our first responders uh, contest at Josh Radner. At Josh Radner. Um, Mike, you're on the Run Face Show. Hey, buddies, I just got in the car, so uh, I'm not sure if you talked about Shel Silverstein. I'm sure you have. All over them. But um, The Light in the Attic, A Light in the Attic was my favorite book. And, and I got it from my aunt, who was consistently known throughout the family as the worst present giver on the planet. And uh, she got me A Light in the Attic one year, and it completely changed my life as a child. Um, I, the illustrations were awesome, too. The, I don't know, there were all kinds of different stories. Obviously, the book was just phenomenal, and... Um, it well, changed my life as a kid. Yeah, made it seem like it could be okay that you could be a bad kid. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> all right, bad kids has some value. All right, this got written. It's up on the iBank for people that want to put this up, and maybe we can even do stuff in the future where we add a bunch of these books. But the RNF workhorse writes this. Uh, oh, that was a little sad. Fez wasn't read to as a child. And he will never have kids of his own. So he will never experience these books. But at the same time, there's a lot of books, a lot of film, and a lot of music that Fez refuses to experience. And even today when he said 48 minutes was too long to listen to something, I think it always gets into that thing of things are too long or too hard for him. But then what does he do instead? He he doesn't want to get anything to get in his worry time. Watching a movie's got to be better than worrying. Or listening to an album. And people don't like to do that. Um, here's Brian. Brian, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Uh, a yeah. book that I loved when I was growing up was called Mike Mulligan and His Steam Shovel. Do you remember that one? I do. It was... 
I'm not going to lie to you. It was somewhere on the possibilities for this. We just yeah, thought, compared to our books, it was a little on the simple side. And we wanted to go to people who don't know these books and have kids. What's five you could grab and keep it together? Uh, Harold and the Purple uh, Crayon. Did you read this one? No, Oops. I did not. Um, one night, after thinking it over for some time, Harold decided to go for a walk in the moonlight. This is one of those well-written books and also one of those things that lets kids think, I can be in charge of my own future. I think that's the stuff that you want to kind of pass on to a kid of don't wait for it, but make it. Go you for know? it. Get it. Take it. Be it. And I... The weird thing about a uh, a book, a children's book, is how much time that they spend with that language because there's so little of it. Yeah. So they really work hard to get exactly the right amount for it. And I always love the opening lines uh, of this. And really, Hicks, you and I should go out and get let the wild rumpus start tattoos. Um, Look great. Turns like a sleeve. Tom, you're on the run of face show. Hey, Ronnie, twenty three, twenty three, my brother. Hey, brother. Hoo-ah! Hey, listen. When I got divorced, the only thing I kept were my clothes, my stereo, <laughs> my TV, and the three shell Silverstein books that I used to read to my kids every night. That is uh, amazing. That's all you I, wanted out of it, huh? That's that's all. You know what? I still remember. Mr. Speds had 20 heads and Mr. Spats had 20 hats. <laughs> that is so great. Uh, Shell, and it's really weird because a lot of people end up knowing those books, but not the other part of his career. Somebody, Some people know that he was like a country songwriter, but not the children's books. That's fucking weird. That's actually amazing to fucking be in all those different places. And accept it in all those different places and able to feel comfortable in all those different places. Um, Tina and Virginia, you're on a fez. Tina. Hey, what's up? Sorry. Hey. Um, no, I love the Philip Eastman books. The Are You My Mother and My Nest is Best. And the Philip, uh, the Are You All right, My Let's Mother. go to my Are You My Mother. You didn't feel like that thing was like a little retarded, though? Well, no, but it was like my mom read it to me when I was really young and I was adopted, so it kind of bonded us. Oh, okay. Good call. Yeah. I never once took it that way. Yeah. I yeah. just was like, so what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't even know whose mom is. Yes, that's See? your mom. That's why you just can't have a little kid's <laughs> critical analysis of this. I never yeah. thought of it that way. So right. that's and why like, your mom, I, I mean, I you're acting like it made it meant something to me because I realized that my mom, but that's why your mom got you the book. Yeah, exactly. That's so sweet. Yeah. All right, love you guys. I wonder who your real mother is. <laughs> Whatever, let it go. Let <laughs> it go. It doesn't mean anything. All right, thanks, guys. Bye-bye. How's she been, you? Uh, Chris, you're on the Run of Fez show. 
Yeah, stone soup is probably like really ancient too, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's I had like, like probably one of those old Middle ago. Ages thing. Yeah, exactly. You ever read that one, Chris? No, I never read it. So basically, um, this uh, person comes around and says, "I can make a delicious meal for everybody just using this stone, oh. this little stone." So they start to cook this pot. And they put the stone in it, and it was like, I don't even know if you can do this. This is exciting, you know. And like, you know, what would be really great with this is some carrots. Anybody got any carrots? And people would just so basically, it's like a carny hustle. Yeah. Some onions would go great mm. in here, and they just keep bringing stuff. And I remember reading that when I was a kid, thinking, Oh, yeah, you should take advantage of rubes. This is fucking so true. Um. Mike, you're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, Ron Fez. Yeah. My daughter had me read her The Hungry Caterpillar so many times. Before she was three, she could flip page to page and recite it word for word. The, uh, it is the craziest thing of how a kid will be able to recite those books, even down to pictures by Joe Matthews. Know every little piece of it. Ernie's big mess. Um, and who knows? Maybe that kid will grow up to have incredible talent. And who happen. knows if what books or whatever you gave to them when you were a kid. Because obviously, you don't even just limit it to books now. There's movies and music that you want to give them. All this stuff that Fez got as a kid. Which makes him think... He can create his own reality. Sure. You know, it goes back to that memory thing that we were talking about earlier. All right, so we've got the five up here. The giving tree. There once was a tree, and she loved a little boy. The velveteen rabbit. Real isn't always how you are made, said the skin horse. It's the thing that happens to you. Where the wild things are. Let the, the wild, wild rumpus, rumpus start. start. Oh, the places you'll go. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. And Harold in the Purple Crown. One night, after thinking it over for some time, Howard decided to go for a walk in the moonlight. And the winner of the Intero Bangs, best children's book of all time goes to... Oh, shit. I would be up for you to choose. That's up to each person. Um, all right, I think it's time to give out our um, prize right now. Signed, Happy Thank You More, please, by the young writer, director, and actor. Um, and that shit. goes to oh, shit. Donald Powell. Donald Powell's a big... Oh, you got You got some prize! Big, big winner. Prize. Now... If, when Josh Radner is heading back to L.A. and the plane crashes, you will have that. You got it. This kid, while he's on this thing, got two films uh, in Sundance. That's pretty goddamn un unbelievable. That's fucking impressive. That's fucking great. Nice kid. And then, you know, there are other movie stars on that show. Uh, yeah, uh, Siegel. Yeah, he makes 
big movies, and yet still keeps a TV show for himself. Oh yeah, I'll have that a- was impossible to do. It used to be just impossible. I'm doing both. When now uh, Bruce Willis blew up, was he still on Moonlighting? Ooh, that's a good question, because the full blow up, blow up came in Die like '87 with Die Hard. He might have made some films, but I don't think he was a full out movie star yet. But it's a good call. And he did make the move. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, Moonlighting was on in 89 and Die Hard came out in 88. Crazy. Big as you can get. Bigger than life. Bruce Willis. When did that movie, when did Die, um, Moonlighting start? 85. That's weird because I felt like it was even before then. Yeah, 85 to 89. Bruce Willis. Just fucking the 80s for all they were worth. <laughs> Just coming all over that fucking decade. All right, so the winner of the contest, Donald Powell. Oh. Donald Powell. Good stuff. We will break here. Uh, be back. Fez, you're going to pick a topic out and get into it when we get back, all right? Okay. I want some Fez time because you've been struggling with it today. Very much. And that's not like you. You're a guy who's like, I want some mic time for myself. That's what I, yes, that's what I want. Hicks and I leave? You want to do 45? No, no. No, that's all right. Thank you, though. If that's what you want, why would you then say no? Because I'm trying, trying to, to talk be, myself into be it. Be agreeable with Ron. And not say the negative thing. So then why did you allow yourself to say the negative thing? Why when you say, give me the 45? Uh, um, Gun? No, the hit single, 45. <laughs> Going back to the 1950s. <laughs> Panic. Panic. Okay, buddy. All right. Well, we'll break here. You not? You not want to be on deck? No, I'll be on deck. You want to get a pinch hitter? No, nope. I'll bring in Pips pinch hit. How's this uh, kid Pips looking? You're going over the computer. <laughs> Everyone thinks we're crazy. I don't know why that I act like Moneyball got made in 1937. <laughs> Everybody thinks we're nuts, but I think this computer is going to get us a great team. Never going to happen. Those old scouts were I watched that fucking movie over the week, oh, over the weekend yesterday. Uh, and then I also caught some of The Natural. Oh, that's a good fucking baseball day. I, I don't know what it meant. I had a baseball day. It's nice. My old man sent me a book, and this is the first... Like, my father's not the type of guy to um, buy you presents, but... He had this book, and he wrote it, and he sent it to me. He goes, here's a good book. You won't be able to put it down. Call me when you're done. <laughs> so it's called Calico Joe, and it's about a baseball player, obviously, if my dad's interested in it. And it's written by John Grissom. All right. And you, it is one of those books that you can read in one sitting. So it's like a thriller baseball book? It be, Yeah, it kind of... There was a thriller thing about it, but not in the normal we're solving things. It's like it was like what happened, right. and this guy breaks in in the nineteen seventies, and he gets the greatest rookie start anyone has ever had, hit after hit, oh, nice. to where like he's like no one's ever gotten this many hits, and he can bunt and he can hit for distance, and he's great in the field, and he's stealing bases. It sounds like the scout. Um, 
and then something goes horribly wrong. Oh, fuck. Uh, that and good. I'm like, oh, how cute. My dad gave me a baseball book. Oh, I look how it's starting now. The next thing I know, I'm just fucking turning to pages. <laughs> oh, Calico Joe's going to be okay here. I was just all caught up in it. <laughs> it was adorable. Sounds fucking good. It, it kind of is like a kid's book, though, almost. <laughs> like a young adult book, I think it would probably be. I see plenty of Christmas movies. I'll give it to you, but then you have to call my dad and talk baseball with him. All right. You could talk to him about your team fucking folding the Yankees like there's no tomorrow. And look, Mikey uh, Boy's suddenly an Orioles fan. Well, I've never heard him mention the fucking Orioles. We know ever. this guy for 11 years. He doesn't bring up the Orioles. And now he's got a fucking pennant, and he's waving it around. Fucking ridiculous. Well, Yankees going down there fucking tomorrow. It's a game. It's fuck. What has happened to them, though? Just falling apart? It's just injuries and it's just shit hitting. It's fucking terrible. Fucking starting pitching's fucked. Can I tell you something? All, all they do is hit fucking home runs, and that's it. But fuck. You got to have some men on base. Yes. And you got to learn how to set up a 90-foot fucking game. You got to grind this shit out. Can't all be home runs. I mean, home runs are great, but what the fuck? Can't score with that with besides them? I don't think. When you're having that thing of we're just waiting for home runs, I don't even think you're playing baseball. You're playing fucking home run derby. I got an app that's home run derby. It's fun as fuck. You should get it. I got so many song fucking pop pop songs problems. You can play random people in home run derby, but I'll tell, I've almost thrown the fucking goddamn thing against the wall. It gets really frustrating. Home run battle two. I would love this. And I want nothing but apps on my phone. It's a good fucking game. But I just want you to see what I have to deal with on a daily fucking basis. <laughs> People still not leaving you alone with the song no, pop? No. And some of them are writing to me <laughs> and bringing up, like, how could you miss that song? Oh, that sucks. And, you know, someone's like, you missed in your eyes? I'm trying to do it in a fucking half a second. I know the song. But I'm trying to get to it immediately. Don't fucking hound me. Look at this. Look at this madness. What? I that's all people? I couldn't possibly play everybody. Oh, my. And I have. I've played everybody, but I just haven't played them as much as it would be to have fun playing people. Like, I would just like to focus on s someone. For me, I'd rather just play with the chicks because it seems gay to play with guys. But I'm like... <laughs> Well, they they listen to the show. That's not gay. I just don't have that. See, now you're bringing back this thing haunting me. After what I've been through. Fucking song pop. It's a real bitch. Let's break back in just a couple of minutes. I guess Pips is on deck. Calico Pips. What do you think he's going to talk about? Brooklyn. Red Hook. Getting <laughs> gentrified. Well, uh, white people there now. Did you hear? We go to the Kia. I don't know how often you feel the need to go there. 
There's an Ikea. There's a Pathmark. All right, we break here. Fairway. He never even asked for it back in. Uh, seconds away from our return. It's the Renefez Show. You gotta fall. Oh, you're all alone. Man, you're stoned. Call home. You're all alone. You gotta fall. Oh, well, you're stoned. Call Fez coming up in just a few short minutes. Uh, today's snacks. I'm going to tell people uh, right away what it is because this is almost like a little perv thing that goes on where people like to get their freak on. Oh. Girls sitting backwards in chairs. I don't know why that is moving its way up, but girls sitting backwards in chairs nice. is big. Now, uh, little Japanese uniforms. <laughs> There's a, a a piece up on the iBank today about it. And the fascinating thing is the high school girls over there are now starting to wear different uniforms on the weekends or when they go out to clubs at night. Yeah, nonstop. That aren't their real uniforms There's, just because they know guys will dig it. Just sexy Japanese schoolgirl uniforms. And some even like Catholic style uniforms too. That they wear. are very Catholic style. Yeah, that's it's now just fashion to dress like a schoolgirl. I'm sure much older women who shouldn't be going to schools, girl uniforms, are just wearing them out to the club <laughs> in fucking Japan. You just go to the club. The club. <laughs> um, it's great. Good. Yeah, I don't know what, because of Notre Dame all-girls school in Chester, PA, I still think saddle shoes are fucking incredibly hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, these Japanese girls are going to be rocking them. Oh, 
Well, they also have the knee socks. Yeah, it all works. Oh, it all works. Panic. I see a lot of that still in the city when I'm uh, walking home. Uh, a lot of little girls in those things. Yeah, Hunter, Hunter College, where I finished my college career, uh, there was a Catholic school right next to the fucking right. high school, uh, to the college campus. And there's just, yeah, there's just fucking just dozens of fucking Catholic school girls just hanging around the fucking where, we, where I smoked. I was like, damn. Like, oh, jeez. A lot of fucking. Hey, Aqualung. Dun, 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 dun. A lot of fucking Catholic schoolgirls around here, man. All right, so Pips is going to uh, step in for Fez. Fez wanted to get out of the on deck circle, and we'll give it to Pips. I have something here. Oh, boy. Oh, shit. Mr. Step Up. Mr. Step Up is stepping up. You can see this on the IB wire. It's under Some Things Are Not Okay in a Restaurant. Mm hmm. And this is a mom in Utah who is... I think she has a right to go out to restaurants. <laughs> well, she's got her twins out with her, and she... Her tits? Yeah. Her twins. Sexy. Baby, right, but actual baby twins. People go that to twins sometimes. So this is... And one of the babies is sitting on a potty training seat out at the restaurant. All right, so let's uh, not bury the lead and say this. A kid being potty trained... At a restaurant, should it happen? Uh, and obviously, oh. just from the title, some things are not okay in a restaurant. And I will agree. You have to take the potty training equipment into the bathroom. I have no problem with this what? whatsoever. She's shitting on the fucking what? table. She's is going in the other direction. It's a baby who's what? pooping in the potty training. What would you do if the baby was still in a diaper? She'd still be shitting right where you're yeah, eating. Yeah, but then you take her into the bathroom and you change the diaper. Yeah. You don't put the fucking baby on the table and change the diaper. Are we agreed there? What? No, are, you, are we agreed there? No, because she's just you changing would, a baby right there. at the. She's going to do it right there on the chair. Yeah, that's what we're saying. That's, they're shit flecks that get up oh in God. the air. Now, you're the same guy who didn't believe in nursing in public, right? Right. What is the difference then? Why is shitting acceptable for you? Because a baby is going to do that anyway. This baby is going to grab you, its pants at what, the table. You're, you're missing my thought here. What does this have to do with Fez? Obviously, you don't care about babies. You don't care about this. What is it that you feel this is yours? Whenever you take the opposite idea, it means that you yourself would get some benefit. Do you start want to be potty trained outside? No, I already am potty trained, but I find this very healthy. And these twins are... What does this have to do with Fez? Well, these twins are never going to be bathroom shy. Oh, there we are. So this has to do with your no shit weekend. Yeah. That you brought up two days ago. So this, so why didn't you just say to me, Ron, I want to talk about my no shit weekend again. <laughs> because I know that in your life, did you ever think it was okay to potty train in public? No, not till I saw this. And you, when you read it, you thought, if this would have happened to me, I wouldn't have to hold the shit in all weekend. If there would have been a healthier attitude gotcha. towards going to the bathroom... Where it wasn't this awful thing. Now, who treated it like it was an awful thing? Because society doesn't. Well, it was always... Uh, one of the things that started it was a day at the beach. 
So what I'm trying to say, this is your family. Yeah. Your family made, when you went to the bathroom, a shameful thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Any accident was really, really severely frowned upon. And, and you know, it all, I remember the first day it started was when I wasn't, when I was told to go, uh, at, we were at the beach, I was a little, little guy, I had to go to the bathroom, I was told to go out in the water, I could not get myself to go shit in the water. No, you're basically... And, and there was screaming, and the day at the beach was over, and it was ruined. Now, wouldn't this mother have been okay with the kid shitting in the water? The person that was a letdown was a little... Little Fez, right? Little Fez was the one that couldn't shit. Oh, right, yeah. So you feel But like there wasn't this healthy attitude of, oh, you have to go, let's go ahead and take care of that. Well, they did. They told you to go out and sh shit in the ocean. No, I was screamed at to go shit in the ocean. I'm not going to be able screamed to... screamed at you? My mother. I'm not going to be able to go uh, when someone's saying, just go do it now. Okay. So, your point was this. This article reminded you that your mother used to yell at you. Uh, yeah, and you of my bathroom shyness, yes. Right, that's what caused it. Because that's mommy's little shame spot, is what you call your ass, mommy's little shame spot. Oh my God! That's my first memory of having trouble uh, going to the bathroom in public. So if like, you pick up a guy, you're like, you want to fuck me in mommy's little shame spot? <laughs> oh. Um... Yeah. Uh, Mark, you're on Ronnie Fez. Ronnie, Fez has said before that breastfeeding mothers should not be allowed to do so in public, and he has also said that they should go to the bathroom to feed their babies, but he's okay with somebody going to the bathroom. With he's not okay with this story at all. We got to the bottom of it, and what Fez is trying to say, he sees stories that makes him want to say that he has a bad mom. And what you should do, Fez, I think you would feel better, is just that every once in a while you, for you just to say, oh, and I have a bad mom. And then we won't have to do the work that gets back there. Do you feel like you had a bad mom? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But why is that even difficult for you to say? Like you had to think about it and go, yeah, yeah, like I'm going to agree with you. I want you to rank your mom from great... Good, okay, bad, and then just awful. What was she? Just awful. Why don't you tell her? Because I don't want... I uh, it's Because uh, you uh, don't want to be screamed at. Yeah. And then hold your shit again. You're still afraid. You're still afraid of mommy. Absolutely. You let that shit out. Why are you afraid? She can't hurt you now. Um, it's... But I don't know. The terror is still there, and it's um, and it's still wanting to get that approval that uh, I tried to get as a kid. You're not going to. No, You're never going to get the approval. And I tell myself that, and I've had shrinks tell me that, and to move on because it's not happening. But you want it. And then I see something like this, and I think, all right, now that's a mom who is giving, uh, inappropriate or not, it's at least a healthy attitude she's putting out there. It's unhealthy in the sense of you could actually lose your license 
for having people shit <laughs> in the dining room. Yes. I mean, one of the earliest things is don't shit where you eat, and we mean that. Move the bathroom thing downstream from the campsite. Move it away. If you wanted to be healthy with the child, that's what you would teach the child. We're going to move into this place, and shit, this is a good place for it. So it's no healthier than yours being screamed at to go shit in the ocean. By the way, why didn't they come up with taking you to one of the... The places along the boardwalk there, wherever, where you can go and use a bathroom. I have you, no idea. Or you couldn't use a bathroom then. I, I, I think that that must have been what it was. At that point, I just couldn't go at all unless I went home. But is that the way you've always been? Because that's what happened to you this weekend. Yeah, I've always been that, that. And that was the first time I remember it actually happening. I think when you get to the nut hut, you want to shit in front of the other nuts. Um, so that you can watch them tear up your fucking papers that you can never get out. <laughs> Invite them. It'll the probably bathroom. end up happening because they have no locks on those bathroom doors. Mm. Well, they can't because when you guys go in there and start cutting your wrist... They gotta have access. Well, that's when you have to, you know, you have to sign out the safety razor. Chef Darren, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys, um... Just the mere thought of a kid potty training inside a restaurant really freaks me out as a chef because of the amount of foodborne illnesses that are passed through the fecal matter that's right. airborne, such as E. coli and hepatitis. Oh. There, was a huge there was a huge outbreak in Pennsylvania a few years ago at a state fair that was directly linked to a wor food worker not washing her hands after going to the bathroom. Yeah, you just... Fez doesn't take into account, I mean, he's just focused on his one thing, but no, you can't shit next to a dining thing. It just can't be done. We have places for this. Shit particles. But let's get back to, do you, how much, on a scale of one to ten, how much do you think this trip to the Nut Hut has to do with your mom? Um, I will say a seven. Because I think I was always a nervous kid, and she made me nervous. Uh, but the rest of it is me not being able to get a handle on the anxiety. Okay, so in other words, you're giving the three to yourself because you haven't dealt with the stuff that you feel like she did to you when you were a kid. That I should have dealt with. Right. So, to go back to that, at what point scale one to ten is this anxiety a direct result of the way your mom treated you when you were a kid nine okay so what's the one that we're holding out again um that i let myself change i mean the fear was always there mm -hmm. but i'm but i didn't used to be like this the anxiety used to be in really just specific areas mm-hmm like going over a bridge or being on a plane. But I feel like I'm the one who's let the, all right, the let's floodgates go open. The reason that you have anxiety at all, what, scale 1 to 10, where is your mother's responsibility? The fact that there's any anxiety that you've experienced in your life. You think it all has to do with when you're a kid? Because right now you're... You're leaving the extra points off because you didn't deal with it properly. Uh -huh. But the fact that it's there at all. 
Oh. You think it's all her? Then, then it's all her. Yeah, the fact that it's there at all. And yet you don't bring that up to her? No. Because you want her approval? Yeah. And I would be too nervous to bring that up to her. Because she might yell again? She wouldn't yell now, but now she would just, like, cry, you know, and... Still manipulation. And, 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 yeah, and that feels just the same. Laugh at her when she cries. How about when she's happy? Does it also feel just the same? When she's happy, do you think, go ahead, laugh it up, you life destroyer? Life destroyer, fucking boy. No, that still feels like when I was a kid. You sometimes just want to sneak in the house and smother the devil? No. Put a I've, pillow over her head? No. I, I, I've never wanted to kill her. Hurt her? Embarrass her? Torture? Rape her? No. Just over and over again? No, no raping. Until you just come so many times. Do you think that could be a big reason why you're gay? Because the woman in your life was so... Kind of anti-appealing to you as a child? Um, the, no, I think I'm sure I was born gay, but that probably didn't help me with the you know the uh, the female persona growing up. You think you could have said to her as a little kid, "I'm gay, accept me"? Oh no, no. That else that also has to do with the shame, huh? Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of times, like you know, when you know, because like I've said before, I stayed I stayed inside a lot as a kid. Fez loves this. Let's go into the shrink mode thing. Is it fun? Is there, have you had these discussions with the shrink? What's he tell you to do with your mom? He tells me to l- let it go, to change the memory, to get. Uh, to try to work past that. I think you should have a discussion with her. I think you might be surprised by what you learn. What could you think could reason why she acted like that? Um... Maybe uh, because I took it. You think that if you didn't take it? Yeah, maybe if I hadn't gotten scared then, not let her scare me. So she got enjoyment out of scaring you? Oh, I think so, yeah, yeah. Who would do that, though, to a little kid? Who would enjoy scaring and frightening a little kid? What the fuck? I have no idea. But take like, an idea. But what if I told you the story? Well, uh, probably a sick person. Thank you. Maybe she's got the same sickness that you have. Maybe that's one reason to talk to her and just say, "Look, I've been doing this stuff, and this is these memories I have. Why I'm curious. Why you treated me that way, and to see if she would say, "Look, I used to be a very anxious person," or maybe. Hey, your dad never made enough money. I had to bust my ass and do this stuff, and he never helped to run the house, and I started fraying apart. Maybe if you found out some other reasons, you would stop taking it so personally. 
And then you could simply say to her, okay, I'm so glad we had this talk. At this point on, I want you to know something. I'm coming. And I'm bringing hell with me. And let her understand what it's like to work with fear a little bit. But see, your thing reminds me of this. Like, what if there was some army, right? That were all like badasses and stuff. But they went away and they got shot. And they came back and there was like guys and they were missing limbs. They didn't want to fight anymore. And you saw them. You still wouldn't be afraid like, oh shit, the Cossacks are here. You'd be like, look, they got older. They got weaker. Pussies. Fuck them. But it still seems like you're hiding from the Cossacks, even though the Cossacks are old ladies living in some fucking apartment or some house down there in Florida. You're still afraid of your mom like she can get you. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it feels like. Why don't you do something about that? Why not just realize that she doesn't have that over me anymore? You don't have to take her to Fox News and listen to anti-gay stuff while you sit there. And see her clapping along like, yeah, they are a bunch of... Oh, my God. They're ass eaters. They eat ass. What would be wrong with just saying, dude, you know what? That's the way shit used to run. It doesn't run this way anymore. Uh, there wouldn't be anything wrong with that. Just me being afraid to do it. All right, why you want to do a little like, play acting right now? Okay. I'll be your mom, you be you. All right. Uh, mom, there's uh, something I wanted to talk to you about. Not right now, honey. Mommy needs her feet rubbed. Now, it's important, and we do need to discuss it. I have to rub it by doozies. Because in a week, I'm going to go in uh, to a mental hospital to get some help. Don't say that. Uh, because I can't handle the panic and the anxiety anymore. It's dominating every moment of my life. Are you burying the lead, son? It's like you, you're telling me all these other facts instead of what you really want to tell me. What are you waiting for, son? Just having trouble doing it. Um, all right, well, let me take some calls then. Um, She's a phone bank in her house. <laughs> Holy, what the fuck? I don't know. I can't fucking have the Bickle one forever. I got to get to the other part. Um, Kyle, Boston, you're on the Run Fez show. Hey, buddies. I blame Fez's mom for my anxiety, too. I've been all shaken up since that fucking umbrella went missing. Jeez. She's still my umbrella. I'll tell you what. She stole from the wrong fucking person, because I am going to get her. And I'm going to fucking dry gulch her. She didn't even know it's coming. A fucking sneak is... We used to call it my, my fucking neighborhood. I'm going to sneak them. And that's just matter of punch out of nowhere. Take her down. Get that umbrella. Um, Jeremy, you're on Run Fez. Uh, Matt, you're on the Run Fez show. Fez, when are you going into the Nut Hut? A uh, week from, uh, well, the week of the 17th. All I'm, right. I'm planning yeah. on going in the 14th. Right after the show. Do it during the show so we can hear you checking in. We'll have you mic'd. We just hear fucking clanging doors behind him. Um, Bobby, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron, earlier discussing what type of interviews you hated the worst, and you talking to Fez is exactly what those interviews are. Simple answers, one-word answers, replies to your 
deep questions, but yet it's, um, yeah, um, uh, how is it dealing with that every day? Uh, it's not easy on any of us. You know, when you pull teeth, you want to have some Novocaine in there. Oh, yeah, shit feels good. But, you know, I did have my fucking foot on his forehead while I was trying to pull out his front teeth. I said, I'm just going to leave this one rotten molar because I can't get it out. Oh, Too many roots. Oh. Mm -mm. Uh, Jim, Smithtown, you're on my face. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah. Uh, I'm going into the city tomorrow night, Ron. Um... And I need a place to eat. I want a nice place to eat, but I don't have to make reservations. I can just walk in. Well, yes. Staying over, like, a Midtown East. Um, Very specific. Well, there's... A, what kind of food do you like? Do you like, like, American food? Do you like... I know a little French place on Midtown East that's really nice that you can normally walk up into. Oh, yeah. What's the name of it? It's called the Mon Petit Cafe. Uh, my mother one of the strokes. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's over by Bloomingdale's. Oh, great. I love that story. All right, so that'll be perfect for you. All right, thanks. Mon Petit Cafe. I haven't even been there in a while. If I made sense, I'd go there right now. Fuck, sounds good. Nice little French place. Nice. Oh, I took Davey Mac for lunch there once, Okay. And then he went back at dinner. Same Three hours later, <laughs> embarrassing, and then drunkenly paid for the dinner of the lady next to him, who he felt like was nice, so he wanted to buy her dinner. Like a baller. Yeah, he... Uh, baller status right there. By had me actually banned from there for some time. <laughs> Plus, they always have nice little French... They bring these little French girls to uh, come over and... They're only here like for three or six months or whatever, but they're hot little French girls. And a lot of times I'll get dressed up like a World War One doughboy, and I'll just come in. <laughs> oh, brother! And I love the snails, I'm not going to lie to you. Fucking escargot goes to shit. Delicious. Um, Rick, you're on the running fish show. Lost you. Here's Bill. Bill, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, I'm in the middle of a seven-day uh, SiriusXM online trial. After the after this show, dude, I, I I'm signing up, man. This is this is great fucking radio. This is you can't get this shit on terrestrial radio. No, you can't. This is, this is fucking great. And I love my dead gay son. Later, brother. <laughs> See you later. No, you're not going to listen to terrestrial radio, where a guy is. Talking about shitting, and we find out his mother's problems, and he's going into the state asylum. <laughs> they don't do that. They worry too much about books and time spent listening and not driving the listeners away. Oh. Fuzzy Bear heading in. Got the DA going. Is it, hard, is it hard for you to talk in group? Are you going to tell the mommy story? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell whatever, you know, 
whatever comes to mind, but I'm sure that'll come up. It just seems like not being able to shit when I visit company, when I, you know, go uh, away for the weekend, seem, it, and that just seems like it's so low down on the list of things that well, need I think to be it's, I think it's care. under the subheading shame. Endless fucking shame. And also not feeling good enough. So all of that will come up, yeah. And the, yeah, there's group and one-on-ones with the shrink. You feel like you need it, though? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're going to get into the meds, still. Yeah. What are you going to wear, pajamas and a rope? No, I'll um I got to I'll just have to take jeans in there because they take the belt away. Yeah. And if I'm going around and the drawstrings, so if I'm going around like in sweatpants, I'm going to be pulling them up the whole time and I'm it's going to be nuts. I'm going to if I come visit you and I know last time they didn't like people come in and visit you and you weren't even there that long. But I'll come in, I'm getting a white shirt, white pants, and I'll come in in blackface. <laughs> And act like I'm any of the orderlies from One Flew Over the Cookie's Nest. And I'll just have a fucking, I'll just have like a pole. You better get out of that fucking, I'll fuck you up, McMurphy. Oh, we'll see what happens there. I'll just have keys on my fucking side now. I will fuck you up, McMurphy. By the way, for anybody keeping up, that's, I believe... Uh, the second time that we brought that up today, once with me and Josh Ratner. Wow, it's cuckoo's nest time. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's Lady Trucker. Hey, Fezzy, when you're ready for immersion therapy, I'll drive you over bridges and we can stop off at rest areas and suck some penises and. Hey, maybe even drive you through a tunnel. Oh, God, I hope I never come out of the hospital if you're the one waiting there for me. You got to be careful what you hope for. Are you going to double-team a dude with her? <laughs> you ought to. <laughs> Eric, you're running fast. Just fucking high-five him. You're just fucking taking that We're dude sucking out. that dick. Suck <laughs> yeah. that dick, Suck that dick. I'm sure you'd be a huge, huge hit over at any rest stop, buddy. Especially down here in Houston, man. Lots of, lots of closets. Anyway... I was just saying, uh, you know, it feels like uh, two years ago. It feels like I'm listening to a replay two years ago when I went up to New York and saw you guys. You had just gotten out of the nut hut. You seemed okay. So uh, I'll be praying for you, man. I hope you hope you get better. It is a the replay takes place, and it's something that Fez finds a lot of comfort in to redo the same day over and over. I mean, if he could have Groundhog's Day life, he would actually go for it. No, don't you realize that he just wants to kill himself in the end? Well, not in the end. He gets you talking about? Well, Man, did t- you even towards see the, the middle. Towards the middle, he wants to kill himself. Yeah, but Fez wouldn't. Fez would be totally happy having the same conversations and doing the same day. He'd never get out of the loop. I, I, and then one day he would wake up and it was the next day and then he would kill himself. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, Otto from Otto and George on Mass tomorrow... And we are, we had so much fun doing that Unmasked. And talk about a guy who was just open. If you've been a a fan of his for a long time, uh, I think that you're going to dig this interview because you get a side of him that you might not have known. And if you don't know his work, you're really going to dig it too because he's just 
wide open and ready to talk about everything. So that's tomorrow at 2, and then it runs all weekend. Um, tomorrow, let's give out all the stuff that it's out. Girls uh, sitting backwards in chairs is big today. I'm not... I had no idea because I thought a lot of this was going to be front shots, but it looks like... Uh, oh, boy. It's an ass day. I don't know if we can beat 1-1. Uh, that is a wide ass. 1-2 is also a wonderful oh. wide ass. <laughs> Let's see 1-3. It's spilling out a little bit. One four. That's nice. Well, she's too. just bad. She's just a bad girl. This is much better than esporting. Oh, that's just talking to the empty chair. <laughs> More like cock hardening. Because <laughs> very attractive women. I got it. You didn't even <laughs> explain that girl looks like she's dropping a fucking t-shirt out of herself. <laughs> That's unhealthy. Fucking yellow shit. None of this do anything for you, Fez? No. Oh, I thought that girl was Asian at first. Now, how are we voting? Best chair? It's very well constructed. I'll go for Art Deco <laughs> then, because that shit looks cool. I do like Art Deco myself. Dude, there's this little shop on the east side where I live that just has old Art Deco stuff from the 30s. That's really cool. They fucking make you, like, ring the doorbell to get in and make sure that you're serious. Whoa. Because they know people just want to go in there and be like, all right, I'm just going to play Clark Kent for a little while, and then I'm going to go home, because I'm not going to spend this much on a lighter. But sometimes I'm just like, I'll go and I'll look in their window and be like, these th- we used to make such great fucking things. Was that all vintage shit, too? Like, yeah, it's all old school. That's awesome. That sounds great. Yeah, to have an old Art Deco office... Like, they still have desks and shit like that. The lamps, you could do the whole thing up. And you could just be in there and just act like you're Perry White. Get in here, Kent! You've rolled your newspaper for the last time. How long do you think before they let you out, Fez? Oh, um... You want to be totally cured. Yeah, I want to I wanna leave feeling mentally healthy. When are we going to get a flow in a conversation? Just two guys flowing. Where it doesn't stop like that. Where it's not like where you say one line and then you think you're done. Hopefully after I get out of the nut hut. Something to look forward to for us then. And hopefully. I think we're getting ready to fucking put this one to bed. Yeah. A lot of stuff up on the iBank. Who did you pick? By the way, I'm picking one one. I couldn't even get beyond that. I was just too fucking. I was just too shocked by it to even let my head wrap around anybody else. Uh, give me. I like the t-shirt shitter. Her name's Sandy Summers. Well, let me see Sandy Summers. She's just. <laughs> I like the weirdness. It actually looks like she's shitting it and pissing at it. <laughs> That's some piss-colored shit you got there, Sandy. Uh, thanks to Josh Radner who stopped in here. Check out ifcfilms.com. It's film liberal arts. Fine little film. 
Jermaine Lassier liked it so much that he wrote a plug line for it. And the plug line was, I love movies. This is a movie. Therefore, I love it. And if you, too, like movies, you will also like it. But we haven't talked to him in a long time. It's been a hot minute. Well, we got so many other people now who want to be our movie reviewers. Thinking about fucking having Paulo in studio? That's crazy. Yeah. And we could always um, bring back our mom White to let us know that all the movies we love are shit. <laughs> and everything we think is shit is actually just amazing. And that's that's what we should really be watching. Alright, Paulo just wrote to me. <laughs> wow. Uh, I've been through too much. I'm not going to make it this time. I'll try to hang on for another few months, but it's going to be agony. Let's book Polo for tomorrow. Let's talk to him. Okay. Get him on early. All right. This sounds fucking dire. So six days left to the Fez Watley era, right? Fez? Uh, yeah, well, a week from tomorrow. Six more shows. That's six days. Six shows. Six shows. Tomorrow? Six. Count them down. Maybe we should give you some of the best. Oh, the Run Fest show. Okay, that's it for us. So what do we got? One more break to cut after this? What do you want to do it on? Um, I think that we probably ought to do it on how fucking stupid management is about how much they fuck up. And now they just don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, that's good. Let's do that. All right. Oh, and then I'll tell the listeners that I like them. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Maybe, yeah. maybe we'll say maybe some racist, they'll believe me. racist things. No. I have got so many racists that I hate. The Danes alone. <laughs> I The fucking Danes alone. Yeah. God. And they didn't even invent the Danish. Let's just fucking get them in the camps. I wouldn't mind going camping. You gonna go wait into a rehab for uh, the little break when it comes up at the six shows? Looks like I'm gonna end up in one now. Alright. Yeah. It's gonna be pretty hardcore. It's like an Arizona or something. Nice. I don't even know how I'm affording this thing. But I'm so fucked up at this point. Why don't you do this? Why don't you just jump the fence at the end of it? <laughs> Let's give him a fake name. I already know the perfect name for you, Sarah Connor. That way, if any, if anyone comes back from the future, they'll just kill you. No! Louie tonight. Can't wait. See you guys tomorrow. And that's the end of my show. Donk. <laughs>